From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey, and this is Mark. Sorry, you son of a bitch. Hiya, tonight we are talking about Predator. If you didn't get the context of my little bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation from Predator, we're talking about the classic Predator from 1987 for episode 15. Uh, so consider this your spoiler warning. Yeah, if you haven't seen this film, get to the film. <laughs> go, go back and watch it because it is it's such a very worthwhile movie to watch. Oh, well and truly, this is uh, this is a classic beyond classic. I reckon this film, like this, is really good viewing. It's really short, it's really tight, uh, and it will take you on an adventure. And best of all for us, it's science fiction because it's got a great big alien dude in it, seven foot two. <laughs> 218 centimetres. Yeah. So basically it is about a team of commandos uh, sent on a mission in Central American jungle and find themselves hunted by an alien. A it's predator. Direct- a predator, yeah. Uh, it's directed by John McTiernan, the big classic 80s action and 90s action director uh, and written by... Jim Thomas and John Thomas, names we can we can pronounce this time, Jim, sorry. Jim and John Thomas. Ah, <laughs> oh, Thomas. Oh, uh, you did it again. Yeah. Actually, I didn't look up. I wonder if they're brothers. You, might, you would sort of think that, wouldn't you, maybe? And, of course, stars the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. Height of his fame in the 80s. You know, he's putting out a movie every year, I think, of it summer blockbuster. Come the back of Terminator, Commando, yeah, Commando um, uh, Running Man. Yeah, just one after another in the 80s. Uh, and also Carl Weathers is another big star of this film, which is Dylan. Uh, so, yeah. What was your number one takeaway, sorry, from no, Predator? Number one takeaway? Uh, I actually had several, but let's go. Let's Just go, go this. one, please, please. Let's go. This. Uh, <laughs> I think this episode is going to go for about four hours. Four hours. <laughs> yeah, look out, guys. Uh, number one takeaway from this film is that he never killed anyone because they weren't armed. Yeah. Which is a really yeah. hard sentence to get your head around as to what he's actually saying there. I was deep. That 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 particular line. Every time I watch that movie, I have to think about it. To, figure out what it is he's saying because there's sort of this double negative in there and he's never killed anyone because you weren't armed. Mm. I, I don't... Okay. It's That's that's what I get from that anyway. Uh, there's also... Um, I also get from it that you can... Uh, like Alien, you can have a relatively sparse plot. Yeah. There's no complication to it. No. They could have had complication because they had the whole... Uh, Rebels and the CIA and the Russian di- diplomats of some description mm. all meeting in a jungle somewhere. Yeah, there's some sort of complexity there, but that was just totally not followed up. No yeah. questions asked. No one cared about that. Yeah. 
And instead, it was just this very simple plot, but it painted such a strong picture, created such a good world and these mm. characters that Predator has gone on to have three sequels. Yep. So yeah. Predator 2, Predators, and The Predator. Yep. And then featured in Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Yeah, so a lot. And several computer games and graphic novels and so yeah. on. All that from what at the time was a fairly typically cheesy 80s action film. The little bit of trivia on why this film was written by the Thomas guys. Let's call <laughs> was, them brothers anyway. Yeah, we'll call them brothers. Uh, we'll, we'll reach out to them. Yeah, and they, they, can, they can get back to us over this. You'd think we would have researched whether they were <laughs> well, I brothers. I didn't even realise until I just suddenly was reading their names yeah. there. But the little bit of trivia is that apparently Hollywood exec, they'd done Rocky Four, and they said, who else can Rocky fight now? And they were like, it has to be an alien. And so these two set out with the task of, uh, well, we'll write that script, Rocky versus an alien. And apparently their original idea was a bunch of aliens actually come yeah, different to Earth. Species of different aliens. species of aliens come to Earth because they consider Earth to be the uh, humans, sorry, humans to be the, the most dangerous creature in the universe. And um, they would come down and, I guess, fight Rocky. That was sort of the premise. And um, But, yeah, it took uh, James Cameron to kind of throw a couple of ideas at them, uh, apparently on an aeroplane ride, and uh, they came up with more, no, it should be one, and he's a hunter after, you know, um, a, a set of tough American guys kind of thing. So, yeah, interesting. I love that idea of sort of thinking, well, Rocky's beaten up everyone. Who, who else could he fight now? <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, it has to be an alien. Well, the joke in the 80s, of course, was the number of Rocky movies out. Mm. There's that. Uh, Airplane 2 movie where they, in the background they had a poster of Rocky 17 <laughs> or something. It was an old man with boxing gloves yeah. on. And funny enough, of course, we got to Rocky 7, I think. Yeah, well, re- what, there was a recent Rocky and then there's the, the oh, what's the name, The Sun. And I think the, they made two of them now. Raging Bull? No, not Raging Bull. No, no, that's a different that's, one. That's, that's I, I could have been a contender. <laughs> that's... Yeah, yeah, no, Ro- Raging Bull's Robert De Niro way back yeah, in the yeah, old yeah. days. No, but I, I can't know. remember what it's called I thought now. it was something similar to that anyway. Yeah, anyway. It's not science fiction, so it's not important. No. Aeroplane 2 was science fiction technically. They went up in a space shuttle <laughs> to fly to the moon. Yeah, okay. So I can mention that. We, we could do that one week, sorry. Yeah, well, just let's see if I get rid of my drinking problem first. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so Mark then, what would you consider this movie? A hope, warning, or experiment? I'm putting it under warning and... The reason is back to what you said, uh, where he only attacks people that are armed. So he only, Predator, this super powerful creature from outer space, attacks you because you're, you are a weapon. You know? So mm. I did find that a bit odd that suddenly the girl, he didn't kill the girl, he killed the soldier, even though the girl had sort of like assaulted the soldier to run away. I know, I've, I found that a little bit like, uh why wouldn't you just kill both of them? But anyway, she didn't have 80s. a weapon. We don't, hit, yeah, yeah. we don't hit girls in the 80s. No, we don't. We don't. Even Arnie just whacked her when he just blowing the crap out of everyone else. He didn't know that. Um, so he is a hunter. And I think the thing is, especially in the 80s, if you take a bit of an undertone of this film, Central America, we're coming out of the late 60s, 70s, 80s politics. America was actually really influential in South America during that Mm. era. There's a lot of dictators taken out of power and then brought back into power. 
the US was a bit, you know, there's a bit of dodginess going on. There's a bit of undertaking of politics. Uh, I know a lot of I know, secret missions. Yeah, a lot of secret missions, and and this film, you know, they say that as well. They go like, "You're not safe on that side of the border. You've got to get back." You know, as an idea, like, why don't we just drop in, grab him, and come out? He's like, "Well, we can't do that. You know, it'd be too obvious, so it'd be too publicized." So I feel that the like the predator is actually a little bit symbolic of the U.S. military in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the writers sort of saying, "Well, what if the hunted become the hunt?" What if the hunter becomes the hunter by something more powerful? Yeah. So, yeah, that was my idea of uh, a warning. Yeah, I, I don't know that I could really put it in the hope, but it, it could be seen as a bit of an experiment, I, I thought maybe. Yeah. Experiment the whole, which is, you know, what if uh, an alien came down to fight our toughest, baddest soldiers? Yep. Turns out it takes six or seven of us to take out one of them. Yeah. So not good odds. Not good odds. And really, and it's Arnie that has to take him out as well. So I think Arnie's probably worth at least two dudes. Oh, easily. The 80s Arnie is definitely worth that. Um, but it's, it's a kind of interesting idea that, that, you know, like a really powerful hunter, isn't it? You know, like you can understand a hunter coming, you know, like humans hunt animals and stuff and you, you, they get pleasure out of that. I mean, you could just step back whole premise and go yeah like an alien out there in space he's a bit bored oh what's this planet earth you know sends a little drone in all oh, these guys that they're sophisticated enough they've got some pretty powerful military oh okay this is a challenge could i kill a few of them you know but also and the rules though, is they have to have a gun in their hand when i kill them. yeah well they've got, <laughs> they've got to demonstrate that they are they are violent combatants. Yeah. yeah that's his ethical that's his ethic yeah well, i guess i guess it does also mimic somewhat the way we go hunting yeah because you get these people, uh, they stand proudly putting their foot on top of a dead animal. Yeah. And they're holding some you know, super high-powered, long-range yeah, yeah. rifle or, or a, a semi-automatic, yeah. you know... Um, from a kilometre back. 30-round clip holding yeah. machine gun type arrangement. Uh, obviously not a machine gun, just for anyone who wants to correct me there, because I said semi-automatic. And I didn't want to say the word assault rifle because any gun nut out there would invariably say, there's no such thing as an assault rifle, <laughs> even though we know what he... I'm. But anyway, yeah, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like, I would be happier with big game hunters yeah. if they had to go and do it with their bare hands. Yeah, that's right. If you had to wrestle a giraffe down yeah. and strangle it... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're posing with your foot on there. You kind of go, well, yeah, the last 15 guys, they got trampled. Yeah, that's right. So you actually did something quite impressive. Yep, yep. Sitting, you know, 500 meters away with a scope and just popping it in the head. I mean, I could probably do that. Yeah. Oh, we maybe, don't condone that at space. Maybe Break. 200 meters away, but, you know, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Is it's, yeah, yeah. And the Predator's the same. He's got powerful uh, a weapon. He's got some yeah, sort of laser it's... weapon. He's got bombs on him. He's got a camouflage that you can't really. See him. Yeah, he he does uh, he does unless, have a lot of stacked in his favor. Yeah, and he's he, also able to jump around really quick. He's big. He's strong. Like there's a lot lot going on there. He does have some, uh, you know, personal rules in yeah. the way he approaches it. He he does like to, I guess, largely reveal himself somewhat before he yeah. does his kill. Yeah, you know, because again, he could, he could have sat, yeah, a long distance yeah. off, but he he waited till the people were were active, were alert, were keeping their eye out and then sort of figured if he could... He wanted the challenge. He wanted... He, wa- he wanted just enough challenge. Yeah. 
that he didn't feel shameful. That's right. But not right. so much challenged that he felt endangered. <laughs> I, I think that's the way it works out. Yeah. And, he, and look, he was intelligent because we, you know, like he threw out the plot points and we'll, we'll start to go through them in a minute. But, um, you know, he, he overcame the traps and the tricks that, you know, Dutch and his commandos came up with. And then even at the climax as well, didn't he? He sort of, he, he, he saw through how he could track him, even though he was covered in mud, you know, so he kind of overcome, he, he was clever enough to overcome his weaknesses as well in the moment once he was being challenged, you know, uh, by the scenario. He enjoyed it because yeah, he, so. he, he looks at uh, Dutch's skull. Yeah. He goes, hmm, that's a mm, nice, that's a nice skull. skull. <laughs> he's got a strong brow ridge yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the brow ridge. I must admit, because it's been a while since I've seen this film, like the, the, the skull bit, I was like, oh, that's really nice. Like it's a mm. nice moment in that film is him ripping that skull yeah. The spine and the skull are just straight out of, yeah. uh, um, you know, the tracker character. Billy. And, uh, Billy, that's it. Yeah, you know, and he just, and he's just like, <laughs> that was a good challenge for him. But so before we get stuck in that, yeah. you had a um, a director's conference. So you had some sort of yep. special three-day yes, intensive process. Yep. What was that all about? So it was the Australian Directors Guild. It was called a... Directors Immersive, and it was part of the Cinefest Oz, a really big festival here in Bustleton in Western Australia in the southwest. And, uh, yeah, I had to apply for that and throw up a movie idea, like one of my ideas. And so day one was um, they had some really talented uh, Australian directors uh, in the room with us, and they were talking about how they got there, so how they sort of went from, uh, you know, making a short film and then now they've sort of made a feature film or two and they really sort of, it was just panel discussions about that. And there was about 14 of us, so it wasn't this massive, uh, you know, cohort of people um, that were selected uh, from that application process. And, yeah, they did that with feature directors. They did it with uh, documentary directors. They did it with, they also, the guy running it from, he's the head of the Australian Directors Guild, he also did a session like talking about like that side of the industry, like the legal side and what your rights are and things like that uh, and your opportunities. And then um, we also met the people that you need to get to know, which is the funders. So there was a lady, Eva, from Screen West uh, and another lady from Screen Australia. And they spoke to us for about 45 minutes about the sort of do's and don'ts of applying for funding through them and what their priorities are at the moment sort of thing. Um, because so how, how does that si- align with science fiction movies at the moment? Uh, they're fine with that. I mean, Screen West is very open about everything. They're, 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 it's sort of a very open door policy. It's just that they have funds available at certain times throughout the year. So you just have to keep an eye on them and then apply for that. But they don't really mind the genre, like it could be anything, comedy, you know, to sci-fi, to whatever. Um, Screen Australia is a little bit more complicated at the moment. Their agenda is a little bit more about diversity. So they're looking at uh, projects that do have a diverse voice. So for the moment, you and I are not in flavour, which is where white middle-aged men. Um, now, when will we ever get a break? <laughs> no, we never got a break. I mean, um, where are my role models in the directing community? I know, there's so many. Um, so yeah, like as the example right now, and it's not like they're saying no, but they're just, they're promoting 
females. They're promoting indigenous stories. Um, they kind of they're the first things they want to. Well, look let's at. get some more indigenous science fiction crack. Yeah, yeah. There was actually a show on on SBS which was called. Oh my god, I can't remember it. But it was kind of a an urban fantasy about uh, another race of beings, mm. human type critters. Yeah, right. Here in Australia, living alongside the Aboriginal people. Yeah, right. I can't remember what. And I think they were referred to as the Hairies mm. because I think they tend to have big beards or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've always I meant to watch it, but I just don't watch much TV, so yeah. I never get around to it. So when it comes on Netflix, but there you go. So there is some. Yeah. Um, and we, I went and watched, um, because part of Cinefest is all sorts of film stuff, going on, like actual films, Q and A's with the directors. Some of those directors, their films are showing and they're West Australian or they're Australian. It's all Australian Cinefest. I didn't realize that going there, but so that's a little heads up for anyone. It kind of makes a bit of sense. Yeah, it does. It does. But some festivals aren't, you know, like mm. they're, they're just totally international. This is something that's just being promoted Australian wise. So on the first, on that first night, oh no, sorry, not on the first night. On the second night, I actually went and watched, it was an indigenous horror anthology. So there was, I think, six indigenous short horror films. And um, that was, they were just compiled into one. You know what I mean? So they had, they, they obviously were short little stories, but they just, you just sat there and watched them all in a row. And that was really cool. Um, so they were good little horror, little horror indigenous ones. Um, yeah, and then the second day I got to, with everyone else, we got to pitch our film idea and to the panel. And, yeah, get you got automatic feedback about your pitch, about the idea. So and what also fe- what feedback did you get? The next steps. It was really, two of them were really positive. And uh, one of them was Ben Young. He's, he's made two big feature films. His one, um, Extinction, is the Netflix one. Oh, yeah. Uh, his was really positive feedback. He gave me a couple of little tiny specifics about what I said about the story, uh, but they're really quick fixes. Um, but he also said this could be just made. Like, you could just go make this like without any issues. Um, even low budget, this could just get made, which was something that was my intention with my story. Uh, and then an, um, one of the other panellists, Kathy, she said, you know, like, you've really... In terms of pitching, you're doing this like I saw the story. So the pitch, she was really happy with the pitch. Uh, and she's given me a couple of like the fund I should apply to. So I've spoken to Screen West Monday about that. And I'm going to put in an application for that. So I've started that process. Um, and basically what I need to look at doing is really getting someone with a credit, like a screen credit, to kind of get on board with it would be really good. So that could be... It'd be handy to have the experience as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. But it, 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 in this sort of point, she was saying, if you can get a script editor, like you can get Screen West to pay for a script editor, you get a script editor that's had some screen experience, mm. you get them name involved, and if they kind of go, do you know what, this script is good, or, you know, this bit needs tweaking and you go and tweak that, then you kind of go back again for then funding for it to be made. You know, and that that's a bit different. There's some other things you have to do for that bit, but... You've got to get over the first oh, so, so you're looking at getting the editing, getting it yeah. screen ready as it were. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was going to say what you'd want to do or you'd need to do is actually come up with a bit of a, a budget. If you're going to ask for money, they're going to yeah. say, well, what are you going to spend That's it on? Still, I, I, with this process, you have to come up with a budget of what you would do with the fund they give you, like as in I'll spend this much on a script editor, a script reader. Mm-hmm. I, I was also uh, another idea is a table read. So you get actors in a room, so you pay them to like go through your script, like you just read through it. 
Um, so yeah, there are a couple of my ideas. Um, You've not thought of going the exploitation process? Not yet. That's what I'd do. They call um, it exploitation, but I, I think that's just sort of not a real thing. That, that's where you promise the people working on it yeah. points yes, in yeah. the, the sales. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it's only exploitation if the person organizing it is getting paid and no one else is. Yeah. If you're also not getting paid yeah. and you're pulling people on board with promise of percentages, yeah. then I guess it's still the same, uh, I suppose, process towards filmmaking, mm. but probably a little bit more honest. Yeah, well, one of the directors with her first feature, she's she's on to her second one now that was showing at Cinefest. She, her first was very low budget. Um, and the way she got around it was the crew uh, got paid, like, let's say, 60% of their supposed wage, like what, what the, the industry rate is. And then the 40% was they became like a shareholder of the film, mm. you know. And if the film then went on and made, money they would obviously recollect through that share fund yeah um so they kind of committed to it in the way that oh well if this does really well we'll get a bonus but you know i'm still happy to work on the project and go for it you know so uh yeah so i'm not quite you're exactly right budgeting there's other things that would need for it to go full steam ahead but this is a very it was a very good response for the script which was great and then what I need now is to kind of get this development funding and get someone else to kind of go, hey, this is a good script. <laughs> yeah. And they need to be someone, uh, like you're going to pay them five grand. So they're going to get a good rate. Um, that's just for them to look at your script and give you a bit of feedback. So, and that, they need to be established. So I was just looking into some people today in the Australian screen industry and uh, yeah, I'm going to be applying for that in the next couple of days and yeah, see what happens. Well, that sounds very exciting. Mm. So there was also, we, as I said, we went and saw the Indigenous thing. We saw a couple other films. Uh, we got together. We socialised and we were invited to the industry party every night. That was really cool. So in the really big, glossy, bustleton chambers, <laughs> council chambers. And, you know, there was some, yeah, there was some directors in there. Rachel Ward was in there, you know. I didn't see Brian Brown, but apparently he was floating somewhere around. Oh, and we got cool. to kind of, you know, talk to different people and, have a drink with was people. Grant or Ben Lucas there, or uh, no, I didn't see those two. No. I I kind of kept dropping their names to try to get me into places, but um, uh, no, I don't think they were part of this festival. <laughs> but yeah, Ben Ben Young was a bit of a, as I said, the guy behind that extinction and stuff. Uh, and it was cool because we got to kind of he was with us for a couple of days, so we got to kind of have little chats with him. And yeah, he seemed like a really lovely guy, and uh, he's got a bit going on at the moment himself, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, just interesting. Really good time. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. That yeah. is, I I have not had the very exciting time in the past couple of weeks. Okay, <laughs> I fi I finished the book cover for book two. Yep. So that's nice. Yep. Uh, again, that's uh, it's my own design because uh, I'll be buggered if I'm paying someone else. Yep. Fair enough. At this. At this stage of the game? Hey, look, a message that we got, even Ben said it, was use the tools you've got to get uh, things made. Absolutely. You know, like, and they're talking about, obviously, for filmmakers, and they're saying, go out there and just do it. You know, like, just go, you know, <clears throat> go out, shoot on a mobile phone if that's all you've got. You know, like, just get out there and do it because by doing it, you're making things happen. You know, and long term, you're, what you're doing is you're crafting. Anyway, you're, so you're, you're growing skills. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same with writing. Like you just got to keep writing. He mentioned that 
he wrote 10 feature films before he got his uh, script, sorry, mm. feature scripts before Hounds of Love, which was his low-budget feature, his first one. And um, that was the one that got made. The others have never been made. You know, so that's a lot of writing, isn't it? It's a lot of well, learning yeah, the craft. I've, I've, I've got, I've got four novels sitting in production hell. Yeah. <laughs> the two, the two that I, the one that I've got up at the moment, and the one that I'm hastily editing now. I've just finished its book cover. Yep. And the third one that I'm writing, so they would actually be my um, the fifth, sixth, and seventh. As okay. opposed to, yeah. they're not, they're not yeah. my first three things I've ever written. Yeah. And uh, numerous short stories. In fact, I'm yeah. getting one of the sh- my, my short stories together to go to, there's a bunch of guys up in Perth called Hail and Well Met. Yep. A podcast production group. Okay. They they do a, a podcast called Shorts, which is sort of one-off short stories converted to uh Either audio book or audio drama, you know, like a, a somewhat more dramatized, yeah, yeah, feature depending on on the variety of story. And I've I've got a uh, sort of a short horror film, horror short story that I wrote about uh, a monster in the snow down south in the um, uh, Antarctica. Ooh, so yeah, yeah. So I've just got to go over that. I want to uh, jazz it up because mm. I wrote it initially quite quickly, but I yeah. quite like it. So just Ooh. a bit of jazzing, but. I've got so many other things to write first. Uh, creepy cold. <laughs> Creepiness in the cold. Creepy cold. Yeah. Terror, it, it, terror it does, on ice. It does refer to a death scene as the product of a macabre Jackson Pollock. Oh, nice. So if you could imagine what yeah. people might look like in yes. that situation. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, and a human terrine. Yeah. One, one of those indigenous films was <clears throat> so funny. Oh, horror, and it was horror, but it was like Evil Dead. <clears throat> so it was blood and guts, ripping apart things. There was even a baby that got mutilated, and it, but it was so funny. The because, only way you can get away with the baby being mutilated yeah. is if it's done right. so far over the top yeah, that but, you're not going to be confused that someone's being... No, it was over the top, and but, but then it had such a deep meaning because what it was is it was set when uh, white people came here mm. and the smallpox had infected community and there was this monster on the loose killing white people but the white people were so funny because they were like you know the guy walked around he's like puts a stake in the ground my land my land (laughs) and they're overlooking like a river his pregnant wife and he's like he's like just look at it darling it's like the Thames and she's like doesn't really look and he goes imagine the you know the big Ben imagine the little bakery we used to always go to the bakery and eat the rat and she's like oh love it (laughs) there was this real like just taking the piss out of white people and probably how bad not, they were. Like, and it was so. Off though, really. No, and that's what I thought was so funny. I was laughing my ass off because I just thought, this is so true. This is so, so true. And, he, and the guy, because one indigenous person tries to help them from this monster and um, he like can't pronounce his name because it's indigenous. And he, so he just calls him like <laughs> Billy Blackface, you know, like it's so <laughs> racist. Towards him, you know? and it's like he's like, uh, that's not. and she's also like, are you Indian? And he's like, no, I'm Australian. You know, like it's like the 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 uh, indigenous guy was the sane voice in the film, and it was really quite funny, you know. And then you had this monster ripping apart things, and it was and it was just so bloody, like it was. It really, I walked away going, that's like Evil Dead. Like this filmmaker gets 
Evil Dead, you know, that mm. comedy and horror, but it's still horror. Like, yeah, I loved it. I, that was the last film of the night. But there were some really cool ones. So, yeah, it's good. I think that is going to be available maybe on SBS. It's going to come out on SBS later after it does a bit of a run. So it's an Indigenous horror anthology. Um, and there was a couple others that were really but What's clever. it called? And I think that uh, it's called Dark Matters. Uh, Dark Place. Dark Place, Dark sorry. Dark Place. Yeah, Dark Place. Keep your eyes out. I'll keep my eyes open for that Yeah, one. not Sounds sci-fi. Fun. None of it was sci-fi horror. It was all just pure horror, but well worth it. Yeah, definitely check fantasy it. horror, you might say. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I think you've had this probably experience in other parts of your life, but it was... It was kind of like my brain grew, like I literally threw... threw uh, and his brain grew my, two sizes. Yeah, two sizes. <laughs> it was very small to begin with and now it's grown. And especially I think when you're in the mundane, as a bit of a creative, when you're in your mundane world of day-to-day nappy changes, going to work, catching the train, doing something like that, you just kind of... It's like, oh, my God, this is what it feels like you, to be alive. You can alive. change your own nappy now. Yeah. I, I, no, I still ask. I still ask so anyway, what are we up to? A little bit of background, then we should probably get into the serious plot of Predator. Um, I, I want to just start, as we said before, the writers, the Thomas brothers. Um, but John McTiernan, now, he, Predator was his big, his first big studio sort of film. Uh, it, Predator did, I, looking into this, Predator started quite small, like it was going to be a more of an indie film. And they, they even with the Rocky idea, they, they were kind mm. of thinking smaller budget. Um, but then they they realised they had a really good idea and they pushed it out. I think you said the producer. Did you know the producer's name before? Silver. Yes, Joel, Joel, Joel Silver, Silver. That's it. He was a big producer and and become and he expanded the budget. He got some more well, people he, interested. He came off Commando and he said he's basically of the mind. Arnold is kicking goals. Yep. Uh, you've got to make this a big film. Yes. Because we'll get Arnie in it. Yep. And. We'll make As I said, he just came off uh, Terminator Commando. I think The Running Man as well, just before yeah. this as well. So Yeah, some huge one. And, and um, Hercules as well, you know. Yeah, Hercules in New yeah. York, oh my God. Which, go, which goes back a little bit further. Um, and I did, see, I did see a little bit of trivia there that Arnold, um, he was busy doing another film when they scheduled to do this. And then he also had his married, his wedding coming up. And um, they literally flew him in. He shot some scenes, flew him back out for the wedding. And he only went on his honeymoon for three days to get back into Mexico to continue shooting this film. That's pretty dedicated. Where they all suffered food poisoning. Yes, they did. Constantly in Mexico. uh, John McTiernan. Yeah, because he didn't eat it. refused to eat the food. (laughs) He lost weight because yeah. he didn't eat the food, mm. but he didn't lose weight because of his movements. No, but I just want to talk about him as a director. I'm, I'm not sure what's happened to him a little bit. He's got a film literally about to come out, um, but when you go back, like Predator, Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, uh, Medicine Man, which is a little bit, it's not so much action, that one, but I think it got a fair whack of critical acclaim. Now, Last Action Heroes, again, Arnie, and it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a success that I very know. much enjoyed it personally. I enjoyed it as well, but. Because it was, I think, I think it was a little bit too soon to do that. Mm. I, I think if you did Last Action Hero, if you could somehow have Arnie being young again. Yeah. And did Last Action Hero sort of nowish. Yeah you'd get like this big nostalgia rush of everyone going, oh, yeah. yeah. I, th- well, I think it was I think playing that, off all of those yeah. action hero cliches and tropes. Yeah. Uh, but it was so close to the actual the movies actual thing, yeah. 
<laughs> that that were doing it for for real. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, it probably had a little bit too much slapstick in it. Maybe you know, like there was a bit too much kind of piss take. Whereas when you a little bit like I was saying before with that horror, like when you get it, when you get the mix right, it works really well. Mm. Um, but I actually really enjoyed Last Action Hero. I, I kind of did. I'm one Great of those weirdos. Awesome soundtrack. ACDC uh, specifically made a song for that film, which they don't. They've never done for any other film. So God knows what they paid them to do that. that. Uh, Big Gun, I think. Big Gun. That's yeah. right. Yes. Uh, and then he came back on with Die Hard with a Vengeance and also the Thomas Crown Affair. So, like, over, uh, what is it, like 15 years there, huge films, massive yeah. films. So I'm not too sure what happened to him. I kind of Googled it and nothing's really there. So I'm not, I'd be really interested to know what happened to this guy, a big Hollywood director. Well, he's got um, at least two movies there that uh, really defined the two types of action heroes yeah. of, the 80s, the, yeah. the culmination there, the Predator and uh, Die Hard movies. Yeah. Both, you know, one was a big muscle bound hero and mm. the other one was the dirty, scraggly one, yeah. which is, you know, Die Hard. Yeah. Which you also sort of see a similar role with um, uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. It's yeah. a similar sort of action hero. It's more there, the everyday cop hero, you yeah, know, taking on. Tumble. Yeah. Yeah. Just the hero that's there. So. Yeah, I'm not too. Just wanted to make that note, but like, yeah. So this is a big time director, even though uh, Predator was his first big studio film. Um, so the film before that, Nomads, was tiny a bit budget more, by today's standards. Yeah, as well. I'm really surprised if, if you put that into you know, like what we talked about with Passengers. You know, 130 million for Passengers. Mm. You know, and this was 15 million after Earth was 140 or something. Yeah, like so they've really. Uh, quadrupled their budgets. It's not only inflation. That's not just inflation, is it? No, no, you got to think, uh, 80s, if you were to, like, double it, you'd be looking at maybe $45 million film now. Mm, yeah. Which... Which would be really low for which, a film for with, a, with someone like Arnie in it. And, with, yeah. But they pulled it off, and when you that's what you think about. They took them to Mexico, and it's sure shot in Mexico. Um, I was a bit surprised by that, because I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this was a bit more studio, you know, a bit fake. You know, maybe they just sort of shot in a jungle... In America somewhere, yeah. and then they just some had of the scenes. The yeah, <laughs> went down to uh, you know Florida or um, yeah, yeah. Louisiana or something, and got some of those big trees down yeah, there. Yeah, just kind of shot around there in a park, you know, and yeah. ran around in the park as you do. Like so, all yeah. those, all those Californian uh, scenes that represent all parts of the world. Yeah. So we do have Arnold playing Dutch. We have Carl Weathers playing, Weathers playing Dylan. He was a big eighties action. He hero. was um, Rocky. Um, Rocky as well. Uh, um, uh, Anna is the girl that, you know, no one hurts because she's a girl. Yeah. Bill Duke was Bill from Duke. in Commando as well. Yeah, he was in Commando as well. Big burly guy um, playing Mac. And Jesse Ventura. Yeah, the wrestler. Chew this shit. Chew this. Make you a sexual Tyrannosaurus <laughs> just like me. Yeah, <laughs> and isn't that so great when he um in the helicopter he, like spits on his shoe? Yeah, you know, like there's uh, so much. We got to get into that plot point in a minute. We will. Um, but it was such a good scene. And of Jesse course, Ventura. and of course two... he has the gun, the gun that oh, Jesse gun. Ventura has, the big spinning barrels, Ooh. shooty gun. Yeah, but the the thing there also Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger, governors. Yeah, so Jesse Ventura is governor of Texas. Yes, and, right. And Arnie, governor of California. So this mm. one movie had. Had two, two governors. Future governors. Um, Billy. Uh, Billy. Um, Sonny Landon. Or Sonny Landon, which I, which I don't 
recognized from other films off the top of my head. Uh, and Billy, Billy was the tracker, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good With character, a that one. I liked I liked Billy. Uh, Poncho, played by Richard Chavs. Uh, and then we sort of dropped down a little bit. General Phillips at the start, good old general. So I think it's the same general from Commando, to be honest. <laughs> I don't, and, I don't and know. From I don't know. But Rambo it, Part 2 yeah. or something like that. Uh, but I just, you know, you and I have talked about Commando before, and I just thought when I watched this again, I'm like, it's almost the same start, like a helicopter. This time the commando uh, comes in on the helicopter. Last time the general came in on the helicopter, uh, but he plays that real similar character. And then Shane Black playing Hawkins. And then we can't forget this guy because this guy, would the movie would be nothing without him. He's, he was in, I had a look yeah. at his, his film credits. He's in quite a lot of the movies that yeah. went on in that time, but in costumes. Yes, all in costumes. Because he's uh, like he's 218 <laughs> metres, 218 centimetres tall, mm. seven foot two, which, so when you're seeing him as the predator and holds Arnie up against the tree yeah. and Arnie's feet are dangling, yeah. that's actually that's his actually height. real, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's that strong, but he's, he's no. certainly that height. Yeah, so Kevin Peter Halsey name and... When I was the same. I was like, okay, well, he's played the Predator. Click on his IMDb. Oh, he's been, you know, some killers. He's been masked creatures. Harry and, of course, and the Henderson. Harry and the Henderson. TV That show might ruin this. That might ruin it. So I do hope you've watched The Predator because, I mean, come on, Harry and the Henderson. Such yeah. good movies. He's so, also the helicopter pilot. Yeah. I, I, actually, I, don't, I don't remember the helicopter pilot. I actually went honest. back to the end of the film after the, the bomb goes up. Mm-hmm. And you get this little fire goes breaks out. That's and right. Use yeah. extinguisher, and then helicopter pilot. There's there's two of them. The the black one looks and goes, what "The hell is that? That's him. That's, <laughs> That's the him. predator." There we go. Right there. So good old John McTierney knows how to use his cast. Just you can be another character. No one will know. Um. So yeah, we should go through the major plot points. As I was saying, so the film does start a little bit. Um. Let me just adjust that for a second. Uh, that out, can't you? Sorry, <laughs> but will um, I? That's right. That's the magic of our studio system. Where's the editor in the background editing everything for us? Oh, geez, that last one took. Uh, what was that last movie we did with um, After Earth? That that took me like four or five hours. Oh, I did not expect that. To you're, you're, I think you're polishing a bit too much there. No, um, it's just, it's just for, our, for our 12 listeners, you're putting in a big effort. Hey, hey, our last one got 15. So, plot. Alien spacecraft, spacecraft, if I can talk properly, spits out an extra little tiny spacecraft that comes launching down onto planet Earth. Little bubby. There's a military helicopter coming in, landing on a real remote location beat. Uh, there's a general looking on, a bit ominous. You can tell because he's got two stars on his cap. And you can tell he's got the little stars all over him, he, you know, just the way it is. A very Hollywood uniform, like just straight and out. He looks like costume. a general too, you know. He's, yeah. he's old and He's older, and... grumpy. He looks certain that he knows what he's doing. And he's really looking forward to this helicopter landing. And there's such a nice, I, you know, like I really can appreciate it now, being a bit honest, such a nice shot. People get off this helicopter, soldiers, and in the sort of shadows... You got the silhouettes of them jumping. You got us, yeah, yeah. But in the shadow, there's a silhouette of someone specific, which yeah. is Arnie, and he's smoking a big, dirty well, yeah, cigar. Yeah, because you get the, the <laughs> he lights of oh, the lights up That's and right, the, yeah. the glow, and then you yeah, see and he Arnie. just but he just sits there. He's not in a hurry, you know. Like yeah. he's a confident, comfortable, you know, commando here. You know, um, so he gets off and he's smiling with the general. I think they exchange a little thing. Anyway, they go into uh, we we go inside the little hut in this remote place, 
and there and is... You already know that guy, um, Dylan, is yep. CIA because the the hut interior is... It looks like every hut interior <laughs> where a CIA agent sits yeah. in every 80s movie. But also, where what's the CIA he wearing? Agent. What's he wearing? He's wearing a suit. And he's, got the, like, the he's got the tie. He's got a really shitty like tie and white shirt on, doesn't yeah, he? In brown pants. Like, immediately characterized. Yeah, immediately characterized. But you know he's out of place because he's massive. He is. He's a really big, big dude. And uh, anyway, so Dutch, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, comes in with the general. He notices him. This guy notices him. And they have that great line, Dylan, you son of a bitch. Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I love it. And they just they pump iron over each other, don't they? they shake hands, their muscles we are get bulging. A close up on Arnie's bicep. Yeah. And then and they literally have a standoff as well. It's like a you know, it's a an um, arm wrestle, man. An arm wrestle in the air. You know, it's not even on a table. And they're kind of fighting each other and Arnie's smiling away, he's loving it. And he's kind of saying, oh, what? You're pushing too many pencils. (laughs) (laughs) You know, implying that he's gone soft. And so, you know, so quickly. And that's what I'm I'm really enjoyed about this is you're learning so much about character, like the differences between him. You know they've got a past and uh, you know that he's kind of pushing each other's barriers. And and Arnie wins out. Dutch wins out that little first little battle. And I think in his mind, he's like, bring bring him down a peg, you know, back to reality. Uh, and basically we're set up with a bit of a plot point with the general and Dylan saying that uh, a, a cabinet minister on their side has gone missing. He was off with a couple of men uh, in a chopper, supposed to land uh, this side of the border, and it went down. They've got a position of this helicopter in the jungle, um, and there, he's also told that it's a simple extraction mission. It's just really get in. They believe a band of gorillas have probably taken them, uh, they need to do it a bit secretly uh, because Dutch does suggest, what does he suggest, that we should just kind of get in there and grab them and get yeah, out? Just, and just fly in there. And fly, fly all the way in and he says they'll be too obvious and we don't, we can't create motions. This has got to be a bit secretive. And as I said before, I think there is a little undertone in this film like, you know, America was involved in a lot of this South American politics and some of it a little bit off the books, you know. Uh, so anyway, and the last little nail in the coffin for Dutch, of course, is that when they get there, Dylan will be in charge, you know, uh, which is not the norm. You, you know that Dutch should be in control when you're out there in the field. Mm. But he kind of swallows it because, you know, the general tells him that. Uh, and then we have this great helicopter ride. And it's quite long, really, uh, in the context. But, I mean, at this point, it's like that's, four that's, minutes of the film has happened. Like, and we already know so much. we're being introduced to each of the characters. Yeah, we, we get all these group, this group of commandos that are there. And this is a very sharp bit of filming here. Oh. Script work because we see each of the characters and each of them is doing something or saying something that will characterize them mm. and gets a reaction from the others yes. so we know what all the dynamics are. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Blaine whips out his chewing tobacco and offers it around, and everyone refuses and kind of laughs. Yep. So you can, you know, he's done this before. Yeah. And, and he, he gets, he's confident. And he gets a bit and, pissed off by yeah. this and chucks in there and, and does a whole sexual Tyrannosaurus, which I'm not entirely sure what that means. It well, sort of sounds it, a bit aggressive to me. I'm, it does. I'm, um, but I think a it's a bit defensive it, as well. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he's, he's saying it's a masculine thing. This is a, a lot yeah. of this movie is about masculinity. I think, but, it, but I, I think but everyone sort of pointed out that they actually think it's kind of a big. It's, it's a bit gross. A bit gross, which is <laughs> it is. And but he, but Billy's, he's confident. Billy's just quietly painting yeah. his 
camouflage on and just yeah. doesn't say anything. Yeah, and that so that says a lot about him, doesn't he? And okay. and we have that other uh, character. Is it Hawkins, or is it um, Poncho? Poncho that does the pussy jokes. Yeah, yeah. He so, and he tells this dreadful joke about his girlfriend's vagina being yeah. oversized. <laughs> I, I, again, I'm not entirely sure what that means. No, is that something women worry about? The size of their relative. I don't know. Maybe I, our listeners out how there. How do you measure that? I, I don't know. I don't know. We don't need to get into those technicalities. By mass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Poncho's a bit small. You but know, you, you get the idea that, that he's kind of a, a bit of a jokester, a yeah, bit loudmouth, yeah. and, and not, not necessarily sensitive to everyone's personal sense of humor because yeah. everyone kind of, no, no one really appreciates his, his no. off-color joke. They're but... Yeah, and while while he's saying that, but so that's his way of dealing with the series. And we're we're, mm. we're learning, like you just said, he's loud and he's a bit of a jokester. Poncho, silent, doesn't laugh, doesn't smirk, doesn't give him anything. You know, so it says a bit about him, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, and also Mac, who I love, he's not reacting to any of this, and he's, he's got the shaver. Shaving. He's just shaving his sweaty <laughs> cheeks. He's just he's always sweaty, Mac, in this film, and he's just <laughs> yeah. he's just shaving. It's remarkably you know? sweaty in this film. Yeah, and and of course Dutch as well. Like it's sort of like none of this phase him. This is normal. No, Dutch this, is just, just kind of looking over his team. Yeah. He's going, yep, they're yep. all behaving yep. the way just I expected. Everything's cool. And we have a little bit of a an extra standoff, which is between. Dylan and Blaine. Blaine spits the tobacco on his shoe Dylan deliberately. Was, was Bill, uh, Dylan says something to sort of provoke him. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's about it. not being. I think it's about not being uh, in the field anymore. Something about oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that he could have. I think he says to Dutch, "You could have chosen this road, and yeah. you know, become better and blah blah blah." So I think that's why it, it, you're right. It was a bit of a reaction, but again, it tells you a bit about his character. He's standing up for his mates. Yeah, his, his team um, looks out for him, and he spits on it, and then you know, Dylan kind of pulls it, pulls rank a bit over him as well. So it, it does show Dylan's not scared of it either. You yeah. Know? Um. So that it's such a great scene, and the song in the background. Oh, Sally, is that it? <sighs> I think so. I wrote it down. Oh, the thing that got me about that is it sort of reminded me of Top Gun. Yeah. Because Top Gun had Great Balls of Fire. Again, another one of these sort of uh, what are they, 50s yeah. um, old-timey rock and roll songs yeah. with the pianos and bits and pieces. Yeah, it's Little Richard, Long, Tall, Long, Tall Sally. Mm. Um, and to me, it was a real juxtaposition of what was happening in the scene. You know, like these guys going to war, basically. And that music was so upbeat and happy. There was a real well, sort of juxtaposition. Also, later on the film, Mac is singing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. When he's chasing the predator and he's, yeah. he's stripping off his stuff because he's too hot and yes. heavy. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of, well, he's not really singing it, but he's saying the words of it. Mm. So it, it it must be a song that has some kind of meaning for the group. Yeah. It's like their pump-up song. Their pump-up song, yeah. And it's an inter- But I, I've really found, like, from a filmic point of view, there was probably a bit of juxtaposition going on mm. with that song, you know, um, but it was a great choice and it's blasted as well, isn't it? That's the yeah. other thing. It's pumping, you know, um, and we even see, uh, we even see Blaine, like when they get there, turns it off. Well, <laughs> I like that because it's like, yeah, it's drop time. Yeah. And Dutch changes the, the lights. Yeah. And everyone just goes, oh, it's yeah, game time. It's game time. Turn off the music and everyone just starts clipping up. Yeah, they all Stop joking ready. around. Mm. They're, they're straight into it. Yeah, and it really does show how much of a unit they are, you know, so quickly. Um, yeah, you know, and that's why I think it's such a good scene because yeah. it, you know, straight up we know all of these characters. Mm. 
we haven't had to have any backstory. Yeah. Like we don't know anything about any of those guys no. really. No. But we know that the, you know one of them's sort of loud and jokey. One of them's very quiet and pensive. Another one is uh, kind of like a dog, ov- you know, overtly like... masculine, yeah. bro sort of yeah. thing. And you know, you, you you know these characters yeah. without having to have any yeah any flashbacks. And, we, and any we've got a bit of an issue stories. with Dutch and Dylan. You know, they've got yeah. a history together, and Dylan chose the you know corporate world, so to speak. So they land. It's thick jungle. Um, the they find the helicopter uh, for the cabinet ministers. They go inside. There's blood. Uh, there's no bodies. They the um, Billy is. We learn that he's a tracker, and he he tells them that there was a band of guerrillas took him, but also there was a bunch of U.S. soldier soldiers that followed them. Yeah, uh, through their boots. So he can interpret all that. So we learn that, yeah, he's a tracker. You know, there's something a bit extra about him. Yeah, he's Native American. He's Native he American. Must <laughs> he must be a tracker. Um, and so that's a little interesting plot point that, okay, something's come before. And there is a bit of a lingering on Dutch and Dylan that is cool in this film that maybe Dylan knows something that he's not yeah, letting on. he pretends on. like he yeah. doesn't. Like, oh, who knows? There's lots of patrols that could be anything. Yep. Then they come across uh, three skinned U.S. soldiers. Harper. Harper's one of them. Jim Harper. They're hanging upside down. I knew this man. It's bloody. Their guts are on the ground. Uh, yeah, and they're skinned, so it's it's pretty gruesome. It's not like anything that you've sort of really seen before. And and again, um, uh, Billy finds you know, shell casings. And says there's a firefighter yeah. shooting all directions, but there's no enemy. There's no nothing. There's no blood. Hit. There's no bodies. Yeah. There's no footsteps leading out. Leading out. So it's. It's like they've vanished. The, the, something has vanished here. Um, and there we are introduced for the first time to a weird point of view. And it's uh, a filter that is that we learn is a heat sensor kind of filter. Mm. So something is watching them from above. Uh, there's a sound effect of a bit of breathing, uh, but we don't know what that is. And it's I, kind of high above the canopy. I noticed in this th- uh, playthrough is when they're in the helicopter approaching... We get a shot through into the cockpit and the pilots change like a little monitor mm. to a heat view yeah, vision right. of the jungle as they're flying over it, yeah. just like the Predators. Like the Predator, yeah. And so there's that, that uh, themic carryover yeah, there, which yeah. is military technology. Mm. And then we get the, the Predator viewing. You're going, this is not just a spy, this mm. is military. This yeah, is there's like, something extra going on. So, some, so something's watching I just noticed that time, I wonder if that actually did colour my view of the print, like subconsciously when I was first yeah. watching this film back mm. all those many years A little ago. bit of foreshadowing sort of going mm. on, yeah, just a little bit of letting us know. And and what's interesting, I think, with this point of view shot is whatever's watching them is actually reasonably close to them, but they're not reacting. They can't see anything. So that's uh, kind of like a little... Did we get? You know, we also get like this weird uh, shot just into the trees. Like yeah, the camera just it, looks into the trees yeah. just, and seems to zoom a little bit. Yeah. And every time I try to look to see if I can spot the predator. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think he's there for most of it. No. And I think, again, um, Billy Billy starts to kind of look around as well. And I think maybe that's why we get a bit of those shots. And that's like how, we're that's sort how of he finds Billy... the, the three skin dudes yeah, initially. He's sort of walking sort along of... and he stops. Yeah. And he's like, he's doing his weird, like, hmm. Starting. His senses, his spider senses yeah. are tingling, aren't they, for you Billy? See, you see Cypher from after a saying next to him, looking at him, they'd share a little knowing look and they'd go, mm. yep, something's not right. 
So just after that, anyway, they're a bit disturbed, but they, they plot on with their mission and pretty quickly Dutch discovers the rebels, um, the base. There's this huge base ahead of them. So, I mean, again, I was kind of originally thinking, oh, it's just going to be a little, you know, hut of gorillas, but yeah, no, it's a, a pretty camp. intense yeah, base. It's, it's There's a, a lot like a, more. Like a village almost. Yeah. And there, of course, there are no villagers there. They're all soldiers. They Dutch sees uh, or spies that uh, it's one of the um, hostages and he just gets brutally executed. He's on his knees and this chief just shoots him and walks off a bit grumpily about it all. So they know the stakes are raised. They've got to get in there. And really here it is, and, and this surprised me because I've not seen this movie for a while, it is an explosive, violent unfolding of sheer 80s action in this moment mm, like the, the explosions I, and people flying people out flying and, and they're on fire and 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 it's quite brutal as well like you know they, climb, they stab people in the head and they slit throats the short they, range unloading a machine gun yeah. into people's chests and, they do yeah. that and um you know i mean even arnie's uh or dutch's you know like they've got a plan and he sort of stops for a minute and he undoes that water pump and so it's not and he puts a big explosion on the back and it goes straight into this hut of about 10 but boom yeah. <laughs> and bodies come flying and, you know, and just when you sort of think, and I think this is a big difference with today's action, just when you think they've probably got them all, they kind of turn and there's a whole other bunch of them, you know, and they yeah. just start firing on them. Um, and they sort of, each of them, we see that each of them has a different weapon, which we already knew. And in this scene, they kind of all get a chance to fire their weapons. And yeah. that's what I really like. So That's a very 80s thing. It's, it's like, a very yeah. 80s thing, you know. So you had, um, uh, I think it was... Poncho, wasn't he? Yeah. He had the uh, sort of like I don't, little grenade things or a whatever, you grenade know. Grenade launcher, yeah. revolver <laughs> gun. I don't know. Does that does that gun really exist? Because oh, it's they... pretty awesome. And then uh, you know, uh, Blaine as well has got his big, um, yeah, mini gun, whatever, mini machine gun thing that used to find on Nazi tanks or whatever, like just firing the right, you know, the bullets off. And um, that's that's such an overkill weapon. It really. is. What, like what? Why would you take that through the th- jungle? You know, like oh, honestly. that thing would weigh. Because, yeah, that's all bullets in that backpack. Yeah. You imagine, and that's a, the bullets are all just lumps of steel, yeah. basically. It'd well, be like carrying a couple you know, weight plates. Like it'd be about 50 kilos worth of steel just sitting on your back. Yeah. Uh, but, Ooh, but You'd I be happy it's... to fire them all off and get them off your back. You're, oh, shit. Yeah, that's easy. right. And just keep going so it gets a bit lighter. But it says a lot about him. as you know, He's a big, burly yeah, muscle that's, man. That's and in choice. that scene, he gets shot, and he's like, hey, I don't have time to bleed. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> Oh, do you have time to duck? Yeah, that's right. Like, oh, it was such a good scene, uh, that one. I and could not the get over yeah, the one like, sticks the knife and the guy up against the wall and yeah. says, stick around. <laughs> <laughs> just, this is, this is where this zingers. cliche, this action yeah. hero cliche comes yeah. from. Is this kind of stuff. And it would, uh, the thing is these movies, you know, like, like that line, it's delivered unselfconsciously. Like it's, it is. It's yeah. just part of the film. Whereas the nowadays, when an uh, action hero gives the one-liner, this yeah. is where they come from. Yes, yeah. Arnie doing mm. these these action movies. It's always got to be a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's a bit it of does. like for almost fourth wall kind of thing. Yeah. Like I've got to say something here. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. But this is where it comes from, and and here it's just in the dialogue. Like it's just when Arnie does some of those lines, you you and I, I must admit I agree with you. Like when I watched it this time, you almost. Because they just cut from them, you know what I mean? They cut to the next bit of action, yeah. cut the, whereas now they would linger on that, you know, because they yeah, want the audience to go, <laughs> yeah. You know, like you want that ah moment. That was a really cool line. And in a, in a film now, they give that ah, they give the audience a breath. But back there, it's just like, you know, as you said, stick, it just moves on to the next bit, you know. 
I so, had to let him go. And that's Commando. He's... He annihilate, they, they annihilate everyone and uh, Arnie's in this little hut and someone comes from behind him. It's the first time he doesn't shoot first, which I thought was interesting. And he just knocks out and it's Anna. It's a, it's a woman, so thank God uh, he, he didn't fire. He, well, he looks at her and goes, is it as oh shit or something? Or yeah. Jesus Christ? You know, he's like, oh, oh I, I did punch you, and, um, but it was funny he, because every other person he was well, just then he just walks gun. off. He doesn't yeah. even like take the gun off or anything. He nah. just walks off. No, she's just a little helpless. It's, yeah, she didn't and, really um, mean any harm. Basically, Dylan comes in and there's a Dutch versus Dylan moment. Uh, Dylan's very excited about all the paperwork that's yeah. scattered on the floor. More that, than we um, ever imagined. Yeah, and there's sort of a plot point here that obviously Dylan knew uh, more that was going on. And he actually says that the cabinet minister was CIA. It wasn't mm. actually. So there, there was, was a, the guys in the helicopter were Russians. Yeah, so there's yeah. more going on. And we've saved, we've saved the day because if these guys and these weapons had gotten out, we would have been in a lot more trouble. And this is where Dutch and Dylan have a real, um, you know, write-off because Dutch is, is saying, well, you exposed my men to this. We, you should have prepped us for this. Like, we, we didn't expect this kind of gunfire. Not that the funny thing is they were all unscathed, basically. Oh, totally. <laughs> they, they took care of him, but he was worried that, you know, it was so violent that, you know, you could have hurt one of my men. You know, you could have given us a heads up. Um, so there's a bit of a, like, you brought us here you know, why did you bring us here? This is bullshit kind of anger. And that's where Dylan says a great line where, is, where he says, you are an asset, you know, you're expendable. Um, and I thought, wow, that is a really potent line yeah, to say to someone like his, Dutch. That's his character as yeah, well. That's yeah. Dylan. And so, again, it sort of separated Dutch and Dylan. Like, as another, it was a pushing oh, them apart uh, further. The, the response being, uh, my men, what happened to you? I grew up. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it does allow that line to then come back as a zinger later from yeah. Dutch. So, that, that's what's cool about that as well. So, it sort of feels like Dutch. The shit's on Dutch, but, um, you know, it enables him to get back. So they they, they say that there's more gorillas coming in. They're, they also can't get out. The helicopters can't get, get to them in time or they're not going to. Uh, so they need to move on quickly. And the only way out, Billy says, is through this valley. Which he wouldn't wish on a broke dick dog. Because <laughs> 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 I, I, I never paid attention to that no. before because he's just sort of going, which is crap. Yeah. But I heard that line I just went, what the hell is a broke dick dog? <laughs> it's it's bad. It's bad. You know, it's something um, you wouldn't wish upon. Anything no, like. and so they head into this valley, and of course, now we get another flash of uh, the point of view from the predator. You know, although we don't exactly know what it is if you're watching it for the first time. Um, and again, he's watching from above, uh, quite high up uh, in the trees, and um, they can't see him, and they're doing all the and he records uh, the. Poncho's next pussy joke, yeah, and the laughter that Billy actually gives him, and, uh, and yeah, he, he really uh, hones in on oh, yeah. on that laugh, and then they all leave. Uh, uh, they all leave the village, and the predator walks through the village, and he it's like he's we see more of what he is scanning, and this this device is scanning the dead bodies, yeah, and it seems like everything is kind of he's, he's uh, probably doing a bit of a body count. Going, he's doing a body count. Holy going, crap! Yeah, these guys, guys are, are these guys are the real. Um, he's probably a bit you know drooling over this because yeah. as a hunter, he's like, oh, these guys actually have a bit of fire. Maybe that's his YouTube. He's doing a bit yeah. of a YouTube. Send going, it back home. Look at this. Look at this. You know, how you look who I've discovered. Some, something that's worthy. Um, and it's but I I feel and feel like that there's almost a bit of a like. 
these guys have just murdered a shitload of people, you know, like they've just annihilated this village, you know. They must have killed about 50 people. <laughs> they must have. They must have. Another thing in the 80s, just kill as many people as you can, oh, well, especially remember, if they're gorillas and things like that. I remember watching like Commando or something. Yeah. He, he just comes to that base at the end and he just lets loose with his M60, yeah. holding the, you know, it's got the, the belts of ammunition in yeah. one hand. Just goes and goes and goes. Um, and at the end of that moment, oh, that's right, because um, Mac, had, if you remember, there was a little moment where Mac had stabbed a scorpion mm. on the back of um, Dylan. Dylan's shoulder, sort of saving him, and he squishes it. And the predator is scanning these dead bodies and then he comes across the little blurry, bloodied, squished scorpion and he picks it up. And, of course, when him picking him up, we see his claw, his hand, yeah. and it's, you know, got, it's got big claws it's and it's really not big. Human. Yeah, so you can tell it's not human. So it's a nice, they've upped the ante of what is hunting them. So the only way out is through the valley, like you said. Um, you know, that's not ideal. They're sort of stomping their way through this valley. And Billy, there's a moment that Billy is just kind of frozen. And he's looking around, looking around. And um, uh, Dutch cleverly kind of signals to his men to wait. And he's goes up to Billy. And Billy says, there's something in the trees. Hmm. And, and he's, he's rubbing his little, his, his little talisman. Yeah. And he's really spooked. You know, I think they even say that. They say, what's, what's got Billy spooked, you know? And um, we keep, there's a nice moments here because, as you said before, we kind of, there's shots of the trees, but we can't see anything. And I, this time around, I was trying to watch a little bit like you said yeah, with aliens. How you, there was a shot where the alien's there, but, you know, you had to really watch it, you know, so I kept looking and looking, but I don't think there is anything. I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they don't put they, it in there. They deliberate, and there was sort of a few little slow zooms as well, so it's kind of like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, and we had the reverse shot, so we had the point of view from the Predator as well there. Um, and uh, Anna escapes from Hawkins, and he chases and chases her, and the Predator's point of view suddenly is kind of above them, following this chase mm. as Hawkins like chases and chases and chases her uh, and he catches her and then with that the predator is on top of them and just kind of slices him, doesn't he? Swipes him off. Swipes like- him and just blood sprays all over her face uh, and then he, dra- he uh, the predator drags it away. You know, And again, we didn't really see. We see it's like a, a camouflage silhouette, isn't it? It's a weird um, Like a chameleon. Shape, like a chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, um, you listen to this bullshit yeah yeah this is a bullshit lizard? so uh yeah so that happens they're looking for his body but they're not happy you know they're, they're sort of thinking yeah, they this is not guts. good they find all these guts and they're questioning what this is about they question anna and she says the forest uh, the jungle has taken him yeah and they're like well, what the, what the hell does that mean that doesn't make any sense to white guys um and so then they they do move on uh and we kind of get to a moment where um, Blaine is uh, standing there looking around. He's kind of, they're separating, sort of looking, is there anything in the jungle? And um, he just gets blown apart. Yeah, shot from behind. Shot from the right, it's like a laser, yeah, laser shot from up in the trees, which really surprises them all. And um, Mac fires away, blows and blows and blows. Because he sees the little mirage, doesn't he, you know? Yeah, it uh, turns and looks at him and those eyes. Yeah, the eyes, that's right. They're sort of glowing light. Those eyes. eyes. He always calls them those, those eyes. eyes. Uh, and they fire, they all start just 
blitz in the jungle. Um, and again, it's uh, it's funny from a point of view now, I think, because it's just like literally like trees fall over and, uh, you know, plants. And you, I think you could almost say if it's a comedy, they would like throw some dead animals in there, you know, like, mm. you know, in birds or whatever. But they just they just fire away. Well, again, they... we see the, the strength of the unit because yeah. uh, and I, I've, I've got some friends who, who have um, been, been the armed forces. Yeah. And they're talking about in basic training. Indeed, if someone, the, the training is you call out contact yeah. and then if, if you get the chance, you call out contact and give a direction yeah. as in a clock face type yeah. direction, like one two o'clock, o'clock one yeah. o'clock and start shooting yeah. and everyone, the first thing everyone does is drop and immediately start fire some rounds in the same in direction. direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you don't have to know where they are or anything, yeah. but you just, you shoot in that direction mm. yeah. to pin them down or to, yeah. to stop them from shooting back. Yeah. So... This unit was did the same thing. So Mac started shooting, yep. and everyone just came running in, shooting in that same direction. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't know what was there or, or yeah. who it was, but they're just gonna shoot because that will, you know, anyone that is there will either be dead yeah. or will be so frightened and yeah. hidden that it'll be all safe. So and he, he did get a wound. He did get a wound. The predator because there's a bit of blood. Yeah, there's a you know, green, green blood on blood. Um, on the uh, leaf. It was made out of a green glow stick and. Personal lubricant. Lovely. <laughs> For the lubricating of... personality, I assume. So, and I mean, I think also the point of that was the force of their weapons and yet then they go off looking for what did they hit and they come back going, we hit nothing. Yeah. Like, we hit nothing. You saw they fired into this jungle, trees fell over and yet whatever the creature is, well, it got away. How does it get away from all of those bullets, you know? Um, and actually, then we have a scene where the predator, high up in the branches, it reveals itself from the mirage. So we get to have a first look of the and whole predator. And it wears fishnet stockings. It wears fishnet. Uh, it's got dreadies. Um, yeah. and it, but it has a device and it pulls it out and it kind of like fixes its wound on its yeah, leg. It sort of like jabs it with something and then yeah. puts a clamp on it. And yeah, and it howls. howls. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the howl kind of, you know, reaches around the jungle. Um, so he fixes himself, which again shows, you know, like, oh, a bit of Vance. Uh, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah, that's what he says. Yep. But Dutch doesn't know at that point. No. Um, he says that actually next. You're right. So with Anna, she reveals that um, because Dutch sets her free. Says we need everyone on yeah, board. Well, yeah, that's because they're on that, that nighttime vigil and Mac goes berserk on the pig. Yep. That sets off the flares. And when they yep. come back, Blaine's body is gone. Yeah. And that... that is the the tipping point? It's like okay, this is just not cool. Something yeah. is something uh, uh, really serious is happening. We yeah. we got to cut through the bullshit. Yep, yep. Um. So they set a. So after that as well, he says we're not going to make it to the helicopter. We got to set up the booby trap. So they start setting up as the the booby traps. So we said before, you know, all the men. Ugh. Yeah, getting involved just, and uh, yes, pulling in the trees. I was going to say, I'm looking back at it now. I remember watching it when I was in the 80s and it was just like manly men being man, manly. And now I'm manly. looking at it kind of going, that's very manly men being <laughs> very manly. Yes, yes. I mean, I, if you're into the, uh, you know, clean, hairless, yeah. sweaty, muscle, shiny, muscly men, this is the movie for you. I mean. Yeah, it is. Um, so they've, they've set all this up and not really anything happened. And uh, Anna's, Anna gets involved as well. Like she helps him. Uh, he set her free. Uh, and you, I was kind of thinking, well, you're setting some pretty basic booby traps. But um, And there's a good line. He says, Dylan says, what? You're going to offer him some cheese? 
And, uh, you know, thinking, oh, nothing, because nothing was happening, you know, nothing was coming. And uh, they, so Dutch sort of creeps out, yeah, sort of where of they put the trap. He's the G. Yeah. Uh, and it's clever because Dutch says nothing back to that comment. But then I was thinking, it's the G's, you know, yeah. like, that's really cool. Like, he's actually thought, yeah, I need to be a bit of bait. Um, and he's waiting. There's a nice tense little moment there where nothing's really happening. And then all of a sudden the booby trap goes off. Uh, so the predator was like right behind him. And uh, it goes flying up into the sky. They've got a big rope sort of situation. They've caught it. Uh, but then he he blasts himself out of it, doesn't he? Yeah, he just shoots wildly. And- sort of shoots wildly and he kind of gets himself. He escapes, you know. Um, and then Mac and Dylan um, decide right, well, to... Yeah, well, Mac just runs off. Yeah, he just he runs off. He doesn't even say anything. He just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he's really upset about his... He does. About his bro Blaine, Blaine yeah, that he... Yeah. They walked out of some terrible incident. Yes. Yeah, they, I did skip over that. There was a they, sort they of a suffered, moment that night before, I assume they both they? basically survived PTSD together yeah, in some yeah. horrible you know, way. But so he, he, he runs off immediately and then uh, old um, old Dylan, who's uh, he's a bit cut up about the fact that... Because at, at first he was sort of a bit um, nonchalant about his men, you know, Hopper. Yeah. Jim Hopper. Yeah, Hopper. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a bit like, well, they knew what they were getting into. It's yeah. just shit. But I think when he found out it was actually this alien predator, he's yeah. going, hang on, what did I send these guys into? Yeah. You're wondering, actually, did he even know a little bit about this predator being there, mm. but had you know, dismissed it, the reports, yeah. as being, it must just be the guerrilla activity. Yeah. And so he, I think, is a bit of the case of the guilts yeah. that he's got. His own men killed, and now he's getting Dutch's men killed. Yeah, when he he actually kind of likes Dutch. Yeah, and respects him. So he so Dylan goes, okay, you guys get to the helicopter. Just make make sure you make it wait. So he's, yeah, he's I'm kind of back. he's kind of not intended to be a suicide mission, but he no. runs off after Mac. Yeah, and um, so they they separate there, and Dutch and is it uh, Dutch and Billy? Billy, that's right. Yeah, and, and um, Poncho. Yeah, Poncho's been. Whacked yeah. in the chest by Billy That's White right. Bob. So, yeah, he was whacked with that booby trap. So, it's like, get to the helicopter, the rendezvous. We, Mac, I'll go after Mac and, you know, I'll take care of the Predator. I think what you were saying there, but as well, we have had a couple of scenes. Dylan sort of, you know, they've sort of, even that the muscly scene where they're all working together, it's almost like he's kind of broken out of the CIA, yeah. you know, identity a bit. Like, he's a bit back with right, the He's back lads. working with the boys. Yeah, and he's yeah. realised that this is the honour. Like, you're right. Like, maybe a bit of guilt sort of chopped in. He worked in, up so. an honour sweat. Yeah. With his shirt off. <laughs> That's right. He's how impressive people look. Yeah. And anyway, so Mac and Dylan... Mac... Um, sorry, Dylan catches up to Mac. And he kind of... Oh, it's great. And he's like... Yeah, over here. And you think, actually, that it's the Predator's recording yeah you do the predator actually plays that yeah uh with the the scorpion kill yeah because uh, mac says over here over here and he's whispering he's sort of hiding in the thick of the jungle and um he kind of creeps down with him and he and he says you know i can see you. yeah you know and mac has gone a little bit you know yeah, he's a little determined. bit. The, he's a little bit on the piss here. Really. He's, he's a little he's, bit left of center, isn't he? He's lost he's a little bit. He's just very of, determined at this he point. He is. He is. But he's a little bit. You know, he's focused. And um, anyway, Dylan's looking into the thick jungle, and you can see the mirage. You can actually, and he's like, "Oh, I can too." So they set a plan. You know, one one will come in after him. Dylan will go around and flush him out, and there's no way for him. You know, they have to confront him. 
and maybe together they can take him out. And they're pretty confident about that. Um, so Mac is creeping towards him. Dylan's coming around. He's running around the back of the jungle. He's coming, closing in. Mac is creeping, creeping, creeping. And all of a sudden, three red dots appear, I think, on his arm and yeah. then go up to his brain. And he looks up and you can see where the dots are coming from and his head is just exploded in yeah, a it's second. It's like a, a water balloon filled with sloppy red water. <laughs> yeah. It 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 droops that that brain. So yeah, poor Mac has had his whole head blasted off. Um and Dylan comes around the back, you know, still optimistic and happy and all this sort of stuff. Oh yeah, we're gonna get him, we're gonna get him. And um he then spies that oh no, shit, Mac is dead in front of me. Mm. Um, so he kind of like then worriedly, hurriedly kind of peers around the jungle, uh, and he gets fired upon, um, yeah. And he sees the predator. He starts firing. The predator fires back and his whole arm is blasted off. And it's a great, I think again, pretty, like the machine gun hits down on the floor and it's still, his hand's still firing. still jerking on the trigger. (laughs) That's great. So, and he's screaming out. And then the predator does this weird, like, 360 run around him, doesn't he? Like, it's a real hunter, I reckon, moment. And, um, yeah, comes up on top of him and... Um, Stabs him with sta- his... He, he brings out the big spears out of his hands. Like, he's got these extra big weapons, these big knives, and just... Like Wolverine claw type Yeah, things. like that, wasn't it? You know, and he just sort of... I think he guts him, basically, and lifts mm. him up. Lifts him up for a second, staring at him. And then we, we cut back to Dutch and Co. and they just hear the screams. They hear the screams, yeah. As they're crossing over the, the big fallen big log tree, over yep. the, the river. And they, they scurry across there. And Billy stops. And Stands the ground. Yeah, no, I've gone far enough. Yep. And I always found this a little bit funny. I was like, just run, man. Yeah, just keep running. <laughs> but no, for some reason he decides he's going to... Yeah. He chucks his, his backpack off, throws his gun to the side. Shirt off. his shirt off. Yep. No hair on his chest, no. nothing. And even like he slices his he, chest he a little bit. Cuts you know, himself like cuts with his, his knife up. and he yeah. stands there. You're like, uh, he's got this big he's, machete. He's going to challenge him to yep. one and one on combat. And we see the point of view of the predator sees this. Yeah, coming towards him. And yeah, Dutch and, and Anna and, and uh, Poncho are, are scurrying, scurrying on. away. Yeah. And they just hear the scream. Yeah, they just hear the scream. Another scream. Oh, it's yeah. too many screams. Lots of screams. So they know he's dead and they've stopped and they turn and then the predator fires upon them. Poncho is knocked out. Dutch gets a bit of a shoulder and wound. And by knocked out, we mean his head is, yeah, is pierced. Is pierced. <laughs> Fatally. Um, and Dutch has got a bad shoulder wound. He tells her to get just to get the, to the chopper. chopper. <laughs> um, and then he runs off into the sort of jungle in the opposite direction, luring the predator towards him. Um And he runs and he suddenly is then sort of toppling over a bit of a down sliding hill down part, a and, slide. and then and then off a cliff. That's really quite a tall cliff. Good bit of stunt work there, and he lands in the river. Um, and there's a waterfall. He goes over the waterfall, and he's crashing and bumbling all through that. And he's you know gasping for air. And, and you he know, really, his his gasping and carrying on in that was not faked. That was no. freezing cold water. Freezing cold water coming in from the mountains. Yep. Uh, even though it was um, looked hot and jungly there, they had to have heat lamps on because yeah. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah. And so yeah. He, he was actually freezing cold coming yeah. through that. Well, he water. had no shirt on at that point. As well. <laughs> so he's, he's, you know, he is freezing probably in that way. And anyway, so he gets through and he's, you know, really gasping for air. And there's a great shot there, isn't there? Because he kind of like gets onto the banks of the river and, he, you know, you can tell he's like, oh. 
God, you know, like, you know, this has pushed him already. And um, we just sort of have the, you know, like something has landed in the river. In the background, we see it, you know, it's out of focus in the background. And he knows it's the predator. He's not, he's not fooling. He knows what a hunter does. And so he sort of like calls up the embarkment really quickly again. And the predator slowly comes out of the water and... His invisibility is fritzing and... Yeah, his system is fritzing and sparking, so it takes him a moment to collect himself. Um, And he's covered in mud. And there's a great kind of... Look, I don't know how intentional it was. We'd have to get John McTernan on on the phone, really. But to me, it's a very much like a crucifixion because Arnie kind of... He's in the, the sort of the roots of a mm. massive tree and he puts his arms up like on a crucifix. I think there's something yeah, to it. And like he's got the chest off and he's covered in mud and he's got bleeding and sacrificing you know, himself. Yeah, he's sacrificing. You know, there's no up. way out. Like he's trapped, you know. Um, and maybe that's maybe what it's a bit more about, like being trapped. Um, and the predator scans this, the scene with his heat sensor and he can't see him. No. You know, and Arnie's kind of waiting for the fire, you know, like he's going to be blown apart. Um, and there's a little bit of heat sensor, and he fires upon that, and it's a it's a squirrel, squirrel thing? or something, like some sort of a, a rodenty thing. Yeah, so he he plods off. Yeah, he's a bit disappointed. Yeah, he? there's he, a bit he, of a half. You see him? Oh, I wanted to kill him. My wife's gonna be so disappointed. Oh, no, I didn't get him. Did you bring um, that big army man home? <laughs> no, sorry, dear. You did Ow. the YouTube clip about his skull. Come on. You said you were gonna do that. Yeah, oh, I know. So Dutch then has realised a very important bit of the pie, of the, the puzzle or the, his, his bonus here is, okay, if I'm covered in mud, it's obviously a heat sensor. I've, I've got to be covered in mud, you know. Mm-hmm. So he starts to set up a uh, one of his Boy Scout traps again. Uh, you know, we see him lifting a huge thing up and chiseling sharp bits of wood and all this sort of oh, stuff and, and, and the, ropes. And the, the other, the muscle one where he's, Stringing his bow. Yeah, and he's that stringing was, bow. That was a real <sighs> muscle tensing. Yeah. You know, he's just beautiful. <laughs> it's kind of almost like a clause in Arnie's contracts in the 80s must have been, well, we have to get him doing like workout, but in, an, in the scene, you know. Well, he was actually, he'd actually lost weight for that movie. Mm, yeah. Which was yeah. A, a, a professional choice for yeah. movie acting. Because coming out of bulky. Conan the Barbarian, he was actually bigger yeah. than when he won his Mr. Universe. Right. And for Conan the Destroyer, they wanted more muscle more men. Muscle. So they got that, you know, his, his offsider there was, was this big muscly dude. Yeah. And he actually put another seven kilos for Conan the Destroyer. So he's coming out of that. He wanted to and lose a little bit of weight. For his, for his acting future, yeah, he just couldn't sustain such huge mass. <laughs> and, and he probably wanted to, yeah, that's right, like calm it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, here we have a nice. Uh, it, it, it's not. It's not. It's probably. It's not such a montage, but we have a nice transition where. Uh, so Dutch is setting up his traps, and then we go to the predator and that beautiful ripping out Billy's uh, skull and spine in yeah, one and thing and, and holding it up. Sprays it with something. Sprays it and he's like admiring the skulls, and he's got all the skulls. Oh, by the way, his, he, he runs his finger over the yeah. brow ridge. So he's really admiring, you know, his skull collection, his trophies. Um, and then we go back to Dutch and he's, like, preparing for battle. He's putting mud all over himself. and He's getting himself ready. He's got, like, this fire ready to go. Um, and then we go back to the Predator, like, with the skulls and kind of, like, I think he adjusts his, his mask a bit or something. Um, but, yeah, there's a kind of nice sort of, like, the two of them. 
And uh, then Dutch kind of like comes up onto the top of the the uh, the precipice, so to speak, of the river mouth and that, and he screams out, come get me, basically, and lights a huge bonfire. So, you know, we know, and the predator, we get a shot of the predator looking in that direction. Um, and so Dutch uh, invites him, basically. And anyway, we have this kind of... Um, uh, Dutch is then in the trees. He's climbed up into the trees, covered in mud. And there's a really cool moment, which is then the predator is like in camouflage, creeping right behind him. Mm. You know, I, I really thought far out, man. Imagine if you just touched him. Yeah, it'd be all seen over. Him. You know, just crawling past, and that's and yeah. that's that's where he jumps on the vine, and Tarzan's yeah. away. Yeah, Tarzan's away. And the predator stops and looks around and can't see him. And so can't we've got it. this reversal of roles yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where now Dutch knows where the predator is. And in fact, the predator goes down to the bonfire and this is the bit that really turns the tables. Yeah. Because Dutch shoots his explosive arrow, which lands right in front of the predator and blows up blows and damages up. Yeah. his invisibility cloak. That's right, yeah. And so he has to turn it off. So now Dutch can see the predator. Yeah. The predator can't see, see him. him. Yeah. And so there's a bit of bit of cat and mousing there. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Where... <laughs> Where Dutch sort of manages, you know, the, the predator's quite clever and working hard, but Dutch managed to throw a, a, a bomb spear yeah. at him and must hurt him again. Yeah. Um, but then the predator retaliates by shooting a Just, whole heap of laser blasts yeah. at that spot, making Dutch jump into the water again, washing the yeah. mud off. Well, I think he actually hits because he's up. Dutch is up in the trees, and he just, boom, you know, it's a huge amount of firepower mm. from the predator's weapon. Uh, it's kind of like big fireworks, really. But the trees are like, I think it hits the tree that he's in or something because mm. he falls and then he's in the and then in the river. Um, so he's washed off the mud and he's collecting his breath. So then he comes back. And exactly right, like there's a real whole scene there of cat and mouse, isn't there? So he's trying to hide from him. He's trying to find him. Where is he? Where is Dutch then? Where is the predator? And it's really masterfully uh, edited, that scene. But that predator because, must be loving it. Yeah. He's yeah. going, this is, this, we dream this about this. This is best, best, best you know? He goes in a yell, best holiday ever. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Go five, to Earth, everyone. Five stars. Yeah. Earth. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, and then he kind of, that all that action ensures, and then he's, because even in the cave, he's been bleeding, so he comes in, he realises that, and then he's above him, mm. you know, and so he kind of like blows it up and jumps out. So there's all that sort of going on. Um, and then the predator can see him. Yeah, they can see he each can other. He can predator, and there's a moment that so then he takes the mask. And, Do you yeah. know? Remember the line that he says and, there? Uh, you are one ugly motherfucker, <laughs> and he removes the uh, the laser cannon. Yeah, so he's saying and, this is going to be dirty fist fight. Oh now, no, way, right? alien. Yeah, yeah, I want to have that's, a fist that's where fight. He picks him up by the throat and admires yeah. his skull. That's right. Like, you see again, skull. traces his finger over the brow ridge. Yeah. You can see he's admiring the brows, going, oh. yeah. And so he um, starts beating him to a pulp, really. Like we see it through the eyes of the predator, like the heat, and he's punching him. And, you know, you can imagine this this creature is huge, you know, and Arnie's big, so he's punching him and he's crawling, he's punching him, he's crawling, he's punching. Arnie's getting nothing back in in that whole moment. Um, But what Arnie is doing or Dutch is doing is he's kind of pulling him back towards that trap that we saw him set up at the start. Um, And we realise that and... So does the predator. So well, well, the, the predator, predator, the predator kind doesn't of, know until he's, he's about to step he's in. He's about to step and in. And his hand touches one of the spikes. And he's just and he looks like, at it going, he like hang flicks on. flicks the spike with his thumb and kind of looks at Arnie. Yeah, and yeah. Arnie's like, 
Come on, um, I'm right here. Kill me. <laughs> Do it now. Just come under that. It's so obvious. And the predator's too smart. Yeah, for the that. predator so steps up around. Well, thinks he's too smart for it. He does, but he's also set up this big weight in the tree. And um, just as he's like coming around, he's like, Haha, I passed your trap. Arnie manages to kick out the, 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 the tripwire and this huge thing lands on top of it. Crashed. So, and we, and I mean, the thing is, it was do or die. If that didn't work, Dutch would have been dead. And, um, and this was a great scene, yeah. I think. In, in so that Arnie comes over with the rock about to smash yeah, the to skull. Yeah. And you can't, because he's sort of still alive and moving. Yeah. And the thing that you when you're looking as, as an audience, you don't realize it, but this great moment of craft that the director mm. does where there's, it's, it sort of coughs and a little bit of that green goop comes yeah. out of its mouth up onto its face. Yeah. And then it wheezes out a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Just that one little thing and you go, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. He's defeated. Yeah, yeah. When you cough blood out, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone knows that. And it's a, and I, I I love that because it's such a succinct way of showing us that he is Yeah, even as an alien, he's dead. now dead. Yeah. And if he it. bleeds, you know, like Arnie said yeah. earlier in the film, if he bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think the thing is, Arnie, it's like there's a moment with Arnie, the rock above his head, and he sees that and he kind of goes, well... There's, there's no need to do yeah. this now, you know. Like you're you're I, dead. You're, I you're okay. I yeah. win. You know, and and that's a very. I think again, it goes back to his character, doesn't it? Like the ethical, the moral compass. Like he's like, well, you're good enough, dead. Like this yeah. is fine. Like we we don't need this to keep going. I don't need to be a sadist about it. You know, like he's a soldier. But it's know? such a, a beautiful and and these sorts of things are really um, interesting to when you notice them. Yeah, the the good directors, the good filmmakers that include just some little thing which tells you everything you need to know yep. without having to be hit over the head with it. Yeah. You yeah. know, in a in a lesser film, you might actually get someone say something, ah, oh, well, he's good enough as dead. Yeah. <laughs> or, hey, Arnie, yeah. hey, Dutch, he's up now. I think he's done. You, yeah, know, like, yeah. you know, something really blatant. This one, though, is just a little cough of blood onto his face and you just go, suddenly you go, oh, he's just this... He's pathetic. Yeah. You know, he's he's no. helpless. He's, it's done. It's over. And, um, I mean, that's what this film, that's a huge strength in this whole film, as we said way back with the helicopter scene. Oh, and so like, many. There's there's not a lot said. You know, it's the old mm. show, not tell. You know, like it's. So many little scenes little in things, this yeah. just give you, just the, you know, Dylan, you son of a bitch, little yeah. arm wrestle. Yeah. You know their history. Yeah, now. yeah. Yeah, you know so much so and, quickly. Uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're rescuers. Uh, we do rescue missions that we're not assassins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so, so now much. you know everything about this team. Yeah. Uh, that they're... they're and, and something that we didn't mention throughout the... And again, like in the dialogue, they keep... A lot of them, the soldiers, they keep saying to each other, like, remember that time? You know, like, yeah. remember trying that time? Trying to forget that, it. I'm yeah. trying to forget, you know, that time that, like, um, uh, Mac and Mac talks about, you know, there was 30 of us and you and me walked out of there, you know, like... Yeah. Like there's all these little moments of things they've been in, you know, and times they've been in, you know. Oh, that wasn't as bad as, you know. <laughs> yeah, that no, you know, so Cambodia look Cambodia. like Kansas. Yeah, that's right. So it's like they keep kind of telling us those little bits. So anyway, uh, but then the Predator touches his arm device and uh, starts his recording that laughter from Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and as one final sort of but like it's, it's the you, beeping you know, like, and this yeah. is this is something uh there's uh, i actually interviewed this guy who wrote the book uh bombs always beep 
Yeah. So he's an audio drama producer, mm, this guy, right, Casey yeah. Whalen. Yeah. And yeah, so bombs always beep. Mm. You hear that and you go, oh, what does that mean? But when you watch this movie, when... Because yeah. it's, uh, it's when, an alien bomb. When Dutch puts the package of explosives in the back of the water pump truck, yeah. it beeps. Yeah. Deet, And yet there's a guy sitting right there doesn't hear it. Yeah. We hear it. Yeah. We know that. Because I suppose the thing is, it's maybe maybe when they were just putting it in there and turning it on, yeah, the, the the test people were looking at it going, well, what's he doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a bomb. Is it? Okay, put beeps on it. Yeah, Beep. yeah. Oh, it's a bomb. Yeah, it's a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> the beep and likewise, the, the alien thing, the little countdown, you can't read the symbols, but it's a beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Like, and you know, he, he sits, sits there and goes, huh? And he oh. gets it. And he goes, Ooh, it's He gets be. the symbol. <laughs> he, he understands it moments after the audience goes, yeah. it's a bomb. Yeah, he runs. Because it's, you know, it's, it's beeping and it's getting more urgent with its beeps. As like, I don't think you would actually have a self-destruct mechanism that would bother doing that. Like, why, like you could, you've set it. Do you need to advertise the fact? I don't know. And in Alien, it counts down, doesn't it? Because she does a self-destruct on the ship. Yeah, so, so it's bombs, counting down. Bombs so always, bombs have, always to have to sound. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. So anyway. The silent bl- bomb is, is nothing. He's laughing and laughing and his evil little laugh. Or, you know, Billy. Yeah, Billy's great laugh. laugh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Coming out of the Predator. And... Uh, Dutch runs and runs and runs, and of course this thing explodes and, it's and just as it explodes, he jumps, jumps as into some sort of safety into the is, river or whatever. And and that's the that's what's came out of the eighties. So if, whenever you see an action hero jumping from an explosion, it's the eighties. It's the eighties that, yeah. that did that. And you said it before. We cut to the helicopter. Anna's in the helicopter. The general's in the helicopter. As you said, the couple of pilots. And they're like, God, good God, what the hell is that? And it's uh, this like nuclear explosion, basically. So a huge and big that, mushroom and that cloud. Was, as, as I said, that uh, helicopter pilot was the predator. He was. And uh, they come in on a really cloud, you know, mist, um, foggy, smoky, whatever you want to call it, burnt out forest. I was mm. thinking, geez, I hope they didn't burn a Mexican forest for that, but they might have. Um, it was the 80s. It was the 80s. And they were Hollywood, so, yeah. you know. But uh, it comes and lands, and, of course, there's a big figure in the smoke, which is Dutch, you know, so he survived. Um, and the general kind of lets out a little kind of cheeky grin, you know, like uh, of all the people that would survive, yeah, it would it be, you know, so we we kind of, we know what happened. And then he gets in the helicopter, and dun, 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 the helicopter goes off, and we get that real upbeat music, mm. uh, go America, and... That mirror image of the opening scene yeah, with the helicopter it, it coming is. in. It's, it's the helicopter yeah. flying helicopter's out. Helicopter's coming out. And this yeah. time is he's he's leaning back in the chair, but this time it's uh yeah, probably uh, yeah, psychological trauma rather than Yeah, yeah, and he kinda of gives that look and he's covered in dust and all that sort of stuff. And I think as you said before, uh the freezing water I did see um apparently for Arnie as well. Like he he was covered in that mud for three weeks. Yeah. In the cold, and it was quite. He, he talked about that and afterwards. I was, it was quite. And I was reading about intense. the poor old the the uh, monster suit. Who's, who's the guy in the monster suit? Um, Kevin. Um, yeah, Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin. Yeah, he he had a terrible day. He couldn't see out, <laughs> so he had to do several takes without the mask on. Yeah. So he could find his way. So you And then the basically movie. remember it through. And he said, "There's, there's like leeches. It's stagnant, stinky water. He's, he's splashing through in his hot thing." Yeah. They originally had Jean-Claude Van Damme as the monster because, right. you know, he's like a, a gymnast in a ballet. Ah, you know, he's very, okay. you know, the idea was that he was he know, would be nimble and, and, and flexible and things, but he just wasn't big enough and he was also not happy. He was a bit too big of a star. That he just said, I don't like the idea of it 
like me being in a suit the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do I get out of this? What do I get out of it? Yeah. And, and fair enough, because at the time he was kind of his own. Yeah, he was becoming his own there. thing, yeah. So, and, and they end up going, well, we do need someone bigger anyway. So that is the plot points. Um, how was your viewing experience this time? So now it's a bit of an old film. You're coming back to this it. One, this one was watching on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> which was nice. Yeah. I, it was, it was very relaxing. I was seeing my train on the ride home. So I've got a good, good hour on the train. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I was sort of grinning and, and remembering bits and, uh, it was wonderful. Uh, and with the headphones in, I got all of the gunshot sounds very immediate. And, uh, it was, it was very exciting. I told my wife, I watched it and she says, she said, Oh, I, I want to watch that again. <laughs> so we might be watching that th- this yeah. Saturday. Well, I mean, I must admit, in my viewing, I, I saw it on my laptop, so a bit of a similar thing. Um, but like, it was just such a like it was such a fun viewing experience. I suppose you know, like mm. I, 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 I remember being a kid watching this and on TV. So you know, probably some of the bits cut out and stuff. And I always remember, uh, like, because I loved action in the eighties as a kid and stuff. And I probably did see this maybe when I was about 10. So, you know, quite, quite, or maybe even younger, like nine or something. And uh, again, probably an eight thirty here in Australia, we used to have Sunday premiere movies. Mm. All those diehard sort of movies would be eight thirty on a Sunday. So I remember watching it and yeah, being young enough that actually that final climax with Arnie and the Predator being quite scared. Like I remember fear of it. Uh, but always enjoying that, you know, like yeah. enjoying that experience. Like it was a, it was fear, but not so much like a horror fear, but just that fear of a big creature, you know. And I guess also growing up with a lot of 80s, Arnie, you kind of thought, well, he's the hero. He's going to win the day. Um, he's going to overcome this creature. But this is a real battle for him. They really set it up that, yeah. you know, this creature is a lot more powerful. And like we've talked about, it, it was enjoying the experience of hunting him, you know. So, uh, yeah, but this time round, and it has been quite a long time. Like I saw it a lot as a kid and, and probably as a teenager a couple of times, but it probably has been quite a while since I've seen this, but I just found it to be such a fun experience. Like is, I was it? laughing at, like I wasn't laughing at it, but it was making me laugh, you know, like I really liked yeah, it. There's, really... A, there's a certain amount of fun yeah. uh, to it. Yes. And, and I noticed that with a lot of the 80s action movies, that tended to go that way a bit. That that have this have a bit of sense of fun, without, without going into pure mockery. I mean, mm. and I, I'm trying to think of a, a recent action movie that I've sort of seen. I'll tell you one that I had saw, which uh, was the The Expendables with yep. uh, Stallone. So that was Stallone basically got a whole bunch of action heroes. He wanted to get Arnie on board as well because it's sort of a reunion tour mm. of. Uh, Stallone's Rocky enemies and yeah. <laughs> various other bits and pieces, but that tra- yeah, and I was really hoping for a, a return to eighties action, yeah. like something great there because yeah, Stallone had his moment there with oh, yeah. Cobra and Rambo and yeah. Rambo, uh, so uh, and, and Rocky, Rocky and Rambo, so good. And then, but it 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 lacked what this movie had, where we're talking about the very strong, very quick entry into the story, very strong and quick introduction of characters so that we knew them all. Mm. We had heard all their names at least once. We knew all their dynamic and everything. Uh, in this, The Expendables, every hero 
had to have a story. And so there's a little story arc inside of it for everyone there. And at the end of it, like you, you didn't get any of the feeling of, of bonding. You didn't get that fun sense. Uh, and yeah, so it's what makes Predator really good is the fact that without being a long film, without going into huge detail, it compresses so much of the storytelling down that you can just get in and enjoy the suspense, enjoy the action, enjoy the thrills without uh, without being distracted by the fact that you don't know who's, what's going on or who they are or why they're doing it. You do know all of that. It's just they managed to do it in a sort of a two-minute little yeah. entry point in a helicopter, and it was great. Yeah, that's cool. It's, um, it was so much fun, so much fun in this movie. And like a couple of those moments, and we maybe we'll just talk about them with best scene and worst scene, uh, but like I've already mentioned, you know, like I mean, it was quite horrific. The predator pulling out the skull and the spine, yeah, you know? and it, and it was done quite cleverly. You know, you're further back from the shot, he just yeah, rips it out of with his a, body. a low angle, so you don't actually yeah. see his hand enter no, the body. No, but, but you know what's happened. It's pretty graphic, and when you take the bodies hanging upside down and the guts on the floor, like it's all you know, it's all pretty horrific. Was this an um, R-rated film? Oh, good question. Um, I, don't I don't think it was. I don't think it was R. I think it might have been M A, maybe. But um, you know, and also, like I said, that big action sequence of the rebels and the gorillas. You know, it was such a big, violent mess of a scene, wasn't it? You know, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of fun in it, like a lot of honor to it as an eighties action. Well, you get yeah. just practical effects. A yeah. lot, a lot of gunfights yeah. now are done post yeah. post production. And they just use air guns so yep. that you get a, get the movement of the, the action and a yep. little bit of recoil so they can act to it. But a lot of the actual gunfire is post-production uh, graphics. And that's for safety reasons as well as expense. It's expensive. You imagine that, that minigun that Blaine has yeah. it goes through, I don't know, a couple thousand rounds of ammunition. Yeah. And I don't know how many takes they had to do of those things. And, <laughs> yeah, you certainly... You're racking up thousands of dollars worth yeah. of blanks, <laughs> yeah, and then all the blood squibs, and but the difference is uh, that it means that Arnie steps around the helicopter and two dudes, you know, confront him and he turns and unloads and you get yeah. that really satisfying machine gun sound yeah. and they jerk yeah. around and the explosions of blood on them and they fly backwards. It's yeah, there there is something to be said for yeah, that and- practical side of it where that. That uh, muzzle flash coming out of there is actual muzzle flash, and that gun sound is probably the real gun sound. Yeah, so I, I think a bit. In fact, it's in that scene that one of my favorite, because I've mentioned a few really great scenes in here, but there's just one uh, shot which really impressed me, and I don't remember seeing or being impressed by seeing, but, but you know we're watching it now with different eyes. Mm. Blaine, when he first comes out. It's the camera is directly in front of him and moving back with him. I don't know if it's even connect, maybe connected to him or something, but it's that shot. So it's from his waist up, so you can see his gun in the bottom portion, and he's striding through, and the camera's in locked sync with him. And he steps around a corner through a bush, and an explosion goes behind him, and he kind of looks, and he, yeah, it's just that that movement and that scene. Yeah, uh, I dare you to go have a look at that. It's, it's sort of in the first part of the uh, the attack sequence. 
it's just so beautifully framed. The explosion is so perfect behind him and the way he reacts and looks and the way the camera is yeah, centered on mm. him. Uh, it, it's a beautiful little portrait yeah, of yeah. his character and his entry into the action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, it was so cinematic. Uh, like comp- considering much of this film, um, much of the camera work is utilitarian. In, in that it's, it's trying to show you just everything that's going on. This was almost like a an artistic choice. Something yeah. it was it was showing something very special. Yeah, yeah. So I quite like that. They, they do that in that commander. Uh, sorry, that rebellion or gorilla scene as well. In that you know when they kind of if you think about it, like they all have a role to play and they do weird things. Even Mac and Blaine they do that like they and we, the way that's shown to us they kind of creep up. And there's a couple of gorillas high up and Max on one side blames on another. And we're aerial looking down on them. Mm. So we see them and the gorillas can't. And But then it also, like, they've crept up like that and they're just about to attack. And then now the camera is, like, 50 metres onto, I can't remember who it is, but it's another one of them. And we see that in the background, like, they're just pulling them off, mm. you know. And that's very, again, it's that sort of, it's built the tension. We're not even seeing the actual violent bit, really. It's just in the background. But we know that they've succeeded on that, and, and it means the, cam- the next soldier does his bit, you know, and the next soldier does his bit. Um, and, the, and the camera there, it, it actually rotates around. So it's, it films one person that, yeah, they pulls the, the soldier down, and it fill, rolls up to Dylan, who's overlooking and sort of, yeah. you know, nods and, nods and, and points, whatever. And, and so Arnie goes, okay, do yep, his thing, do and this. he goes down. And they're all rolling out. And that's just action. one scene, one sequence of the camera panning around yeah, looking yeah. at everything is uh beautifully beautifully done yeah really nicely done i mean that that scene to me i mean many ways is just uh, it's kind of not really sci-fi and it's not really about the predator as such but it's such a good scene that scene it's also like, great because it's so uh satisfying the sound of the guns yeah, is so yeah. chunky yeah and people are like i said having blood explosions come out yeah. And they're flying about the place, and they're on fire. Like they're being effective because yeah. there's so many action scenes. And I was watching uh, Z Nation, right? Yeah, I've seen and, a bit. And of that. they they're terrible for this, and they're Walking Dead did this too as well, where there's people maybe five meters apart firing yeah. at each other with machine guns, and nothing's nothing's happening. happening. Yeah, and you're like, I have you guys even played paintball? Yeah. Those paintball guns are really inaccurate. Yeah, but. You if you're if you're within five meters of someone and shoot, yeah. you hit them. Yeah, and you you it's, make a good point that maybe it's that sort of like you know I, I agree when you think about The Walking Dead and but what I'm seeing what I'm taking a little bit further back is like in this film Predator in this scene, you know they fire they hit someone and mm-hmm. we see it and then they fire and they hit someone else and then they hit someone else so maybe this is where you need that big that big body count does work mm. because as an audience. You're right. Like if if you and I we're we're five minutes apart from each other, and we're firing these massive guns at each other. It's kind of like two little four year olds playing with guns, you know, fake guns. And they go, "Oh, I shot you! No, I shot you! You know, I shot you!" No one ends up getting shot. You know, like this is adult entertainment. You kind of think, "Well, yeah, I'm going to fire a gun in your face from five meters away. Your face needs to get blown off." Yeah, you know, and, we, like, and we get oh, plenty of blood splatters in yeah. it. Yeah. So, so I think you're probably right. Like it's it's that you need that, you know people in your face being blown apart and 
you need the people falling off balconies on fire and stuff because that's what it would be like. It's well, not, otherwise, you, know, you, you get the, uh, what do you call it? It's like the A-Team effect or something that always frustrated me as a kid watching shows like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. So the turtles have got lethal weapons, swords, psi, yeah, yeah. whatever. They never hit anyone with them. <laughs> like, yeah, was yeah. it Donatello, you know, Leonardo with his swords? Cut someone up. Yeah, that's right. And same with He-Man. Yeah, He-Man's yeah. got this rotten huge sword. He's a big muscly dude. He never once hits anyone with it. Yeah, yeah. He'd use it to block stuff and smash yeah. a tree. You know, and you're like, you get that, that uh, frustration of no satisfaction. Yeah. Whereas in this movie here, they, they come out, they, they, they've done a sneak up. You've been sold on on the promise that these guys are elite commandos. Yeah, yeah. And then they bloody let loose. Yeah. And there's firing guns and there's noises coming from those guns and people are getting blown away and it's all, you go, okay, I feel satisfied. It's like there's just something nice and chunky has just happened because the rest of the movie is cat and mouse with the predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly the guns are ineffective. Yeah. And, yeah. but you know that they, it's only because it's the predator. It's not because these people have, I don't know, paper mache weapons. It's, it's because there's um, you know, a technologically advanced killing machine That's chasing right. them. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone's out there listening, you can hit us up and let us know what you thought was a really good scene in Predator because I don't think you'll find any bad scenes. <laughs> um, uh, they're I all have, really I good. One, oh, no, come on, sorry. One, one <laughs> little bit. So, <laughs> And this is Arnie's fault. So when Dutch sees the... Uh, it was sorry that said that was Arnie's fault, not me. Sorry. sorry. No, don't worry, Arnie. <laughs> On no, the record. We're, we're good friends from way back. Oh, okay, you know, yeah, all right, all right, way no. back. But when he sees the, uh, the the CIA guy getting executed, the look on his face and he sort of turns back and, and looks down, a little oversold. Oh. Well, there's nothing uh, wrong with the scene then. It's I, just under, that's yeah, the acting. It's, it's just, just that little. But you know the really brilliant thing? The very next thing he sort of, Looks determined. It looks up. He makes his little hand signal, and then like Dylan and all the other dudes, kind of snake and worm, just so beautifully down the yeah, hill. Yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. Slither down next the to him. The boss has said, "Come that here." Was just, yeah. I don't know how many times I had to practice that, but the way they just slid down that hill like <laughs> snakes, it was just. Uh, it's like watching a dance. It was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's, look, for me, there's so many good moments, and I've pretty much touched on them. You know, like so. Yeah, that that rebel bit, and and I think the cat and mouse of Dutch and the Predator, the climax of the scene. It's pretty long. The climax of just the two of them battling it out, and, and again, it's quite it's, satisfying there as well. Yeah, you got you got the the Predator actually. You see it getting hit, taking yes. taking hits, so yeah. it gets the blown up, and its invisibility yeah. turns off, and then it later on it cops a spear yeah. exploding next to it, yeah. which kind of. Yeah, sets it off, yeah. and, and he does hit him. He's bleeding, like the predator's bleeding. Yeah, and you've, you know, you've got, he's hurt. So, so there's a good sort got a of, bit of kind reversal of, going on. Yeah, so it's good. But then the predator, like we said before, is probably really loving it yeah. <laughs> in his saddest way. So, what about the t- changing tactics, the science? What do you what do you think about the science? Are you going to talk science. about the hunter here? The, well, the you predator? know what is really good, and and this is not. I'm not going to go too much into this, but uh, when you, you throw your mind back to the movie Revolt. Yep. They had an electromagnetic pulse weapon to take out the robots. Right. Yeah. And that, and yep. again, that that works by by just having a big sudden burst of electromagnetic uh, electromagnetic uh, radiation, which, uh, when attuned to the right size, starts electric current flow in 
metallic objects and it will burn stuff out. When the helicopter at the end is approaching and the explosion goes off, there's a burst of sparks and a fire Ruth. breaks out and the equipment on the helicopter. Yeah, yeah. And they have to burn it off. That, they didn't have to put that in there because, you know, an explosion goes off and the helicopter is obviously far enough away not yeah, to yeah. be hit by it. But it was a nuclear explosion and an EMP must have hit that helicopter and some of its components must have been of the right size that the wavelengths... And that was a little detail that, that I picked up on. I thought, you know, someone... Uh, I don't. I'm assuming they meant to do it, but someone was really the Thomas thinking, brothers. The Thomas brothers. Someone was really thinking, going, "Well, let's show it was a nuclear weapon and a you know significant bomb. That means we're going to have some sparks go off. Yeah. Even though the helicopter's distant. So yeah. I I quite like that. I thought that's quite good. I think it added to you know like oh this is an alien bomb that's gone off. Uh, it's, it's super it's powerful. That even this helicopter off in the distance is kind of electronically. You know, you didn't even have to think about the science. I reckon, from my point of view, it was just very much like, "Wow, that's a powerful bomb." Yeah, it's the, pretty serious going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, no, and and also adds to well, oh shit, they, that this helicopter might also crash. You know, like, um, so it adds to the drama, doesn't it? But this this alien here was making use of metamaterials with yep. his invisibility cloak. We spoke about that with After Earth and his color changing suit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because uh, we are, we're doing research, trying to come up with the cloaking device, and we. Yep. We can create a very small uh, f- device that is invisible to infrared, but this was obviously visible yeah. light, which was interesting because it brings me to his his eyesight was clearly infrared. So even when he took his helmet off, his helmet actually enhanced his vision yeah. and uh, cooled it down a bit. Yeah. So without it on, it was just it was very red and and fuzzy. It wasn't great, uh, which which means that the Alien's homeworld, where he evolved, must obviously have been bathed in light, predominantly in the lower spectrum. Mm. For his vision to be infrared, like because the reason we can see in the visible spectrum that we see in is in part because it's not too a higher spectrum that yeah. our cells can hit it. But the thing is, it's what predominantly hits the Earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's the most useful to look at. But yeah, so he must have. If you come from another planet with a yeah. cooler sun that doesn't is not quite so energetic. Our sun is like a second generation star, which um, which is why it burns the way it does, and why we have iron in our planetary core. Right. Uh, because all the elements that we have in, on the Earth had to have been generated in a sun somewhere, right. and uh, our sun would not have been able to do it, so it had to be a second generation. And there would also be other stuff from other places coming in. Yeah. But his planet would have a cooler sun, which would predominantly radiate in uh, lower, you know, longer wavelengths, which would be infrared through to microwaves. So it'd be interesting to see if he could actually see uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. He might, he might actually be able to see some interference from Wi-Fi or a microwave oven going off. But that would mean then that it's more useful to see in the infrared spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. But steroids, because you don't get to look the size of Arnie or (laughs) or um, Carl Weathers. Carl, yeah. So, well, or Jesse Ventura without getting into the roids. I look. Carl Weathers said he was waking up at three a.m. Yeah, to work out when no one was looking, so he would be as muscly as as he. Are you telling me that's? 
bullshit and then he was just well, right in there. Well, no, well, the thing is, the way so a steroid is a signaling molecule in your body, and, and we have them. We've got estrogen, androgen, uh, testosterone, and so forth, and any number which, and cortisol, which signal various parts of our body. So cortisol sets off inflammation, for example, and so we have corticos. Sorry, cortisol turns off inflammation. So we have corticosteroids, which you might use if you have a um, an autoimmune disease, like like an eczema breakout or um, sports players who badly damage a ligament or something. In order yeah. to heal faster, they shoot them up with these steroids. But then you've also got the uh, anabolic steroids, which are the steroids which signal your muscles to repair. So if you're... And back when Arnie was doing his weightlifting, if you watch... I can't remember which... One of his documentaries is, is talking about it. It's basically that they didn't really know what they're doing. Yeah. They were just kind of... Uh, it was a lot of it was coming out of a military and and Cold War and like this it was kind of a bit experimental and yeah. and they were just kind of doing whatever. Yeah. Just, Nowadays yeah. they've got much more refined. They, they they combine them in different ways. So they're far more effective. So, I mean, you look at some of the bodybuilders today who are like they're bigger than Arnie ever was. But but the way they work basically is they you would use one to turn off inflammation because when you work out and you stress your muscles, you cause little micro tears uh, and you wear the muscle out basically. And so that becomes inflamed and sore and the uh, inflammation actually starts to break down a bit of the muscle and that's part of the repair process. But if you were to say inject steroids, then steroids would block the, the steroids you inject would block the inflammation response so it reduced the breakdown of muscle, but then you'd introduce another steroid which would signal the muscle to start building, which your body naturally produces this sort of steroid anyway as part of your natural healing process. But obviously by flooding your system with it early, you speed up the process. So whereas I could go and do a workout for an hour and then I'd have to rest a day, and even on the second day I'd still probably feel a bit sore and it would be hard for me to go as hard as possible. So yeah. it might be I'd only do, even though I do three heavy workouts in a week, two of them would be heavier. The middle one would be sort of a bit lesser. If I was doing steroids, I would be able to do five top performance workouts a week because you're massively accelerating that regeneration and repair and growth process that normally goes on. And that's how you end up with bodybuilders of such enormous size. And it's very difficult to achieve that size. I'm going to dare say basically impossible to achieve that size without use of steroids because unless you have a freak of genetic happy stance, you know, circumstance, the rate at which your body repairs versus the rate at which you can actually train it limits how big your muscles will ever get. Yeah, of course. But if you have something which will heal you and repair you and regenerate you faster, and it doesn't have to do it, you know, we're not talking take steroids for a week and you're a massive ox, but you only have to be able to uh, speed up by by an hour or two. Yeah. And then over the course of a year of working out five times a day for the year, you're probably like three years ahead of where someone would be if they were trying to work out normally. Yeah. 
which is why, of course, they're banned in so many sports. Yeah. Well, the other reason they're banned in sports is because they're dangerous too. Uh, the your body is, generally speaking, carefully balanced to operate yeah. under certain conditions. You go and introduce a whole bunch of particular steroids because they don't just affect muscle growth. They're used in multiple roles and you hear stories of, of people getting acne or, or um, kidney disease or uh, depression, as well. depression, psychological disorders, uh, aches and pains. And, um, and then, of course, you're... you're normal steroid producing glands shrinking yeah. because your body will only, it will compensate. If you inject more testosterone, your body doesn't need to produce it. So it'll, you know, your testes will shrink because yeah. they go, wow, you don't need us anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so testosterone, for example, is used for people who have, um, you know, problems with their, their yeah. testes. Maybe they've had cancer, they've had them removed. Yeah. And so they take testosterone in order to maintain their balance. Yeah, yeah. But if you overbalance it, yeah, so... So it's not great, and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger has, in fact, suffered for it. He's, um, he's obviously not using his steroids anymore, I guess. Yeah. Almost certainly he's not. But he's had heart issues and uh, you know other organ-related issues. Uh, I suspect, though, the fact that he's actually still alive and moving about, he's probably you know, cleaned up and... And, and behaving himself in those terms there. But, yeah, so steroids are quite interesting. Uh, moving, though, into the future, we're looking at um, genes that uh, express muscle growth. Yeah, right. So there have been natural mutants. <laughs> and I use that term in the, in the friendly, so in the friendly <laughs> scientist fashion as opposed to in the, the weird superhero fashion. But it is kind of a superhero thing. It is. Because there's the myostatin gene, yeah, which is the, the double muscle gene, as it's called. So the Belgian blue cattle, go have a look at them. They're yeah, freaks I know. of nature. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Literally, they are freaks of nature. But humans also get this um, Same mutation. And so when you get two parents, both with this mutation, mm. uh, it can become non-recessive. You know, it, it will express or mm. can express in the child. And there's a, a child of a, a couple, uh, uh, I want to say they're both German Olympians. But I think I know I know one of them is a German like sprinter and the other one's a high jump I think. Okay. So yeah, they're they're top Olympic level yeah, yeah. athletes. Yep. So clearly yeah. genetically good. Their child there's a there's a there was a picture of them going around muscles, muscles. like <laughs> abs like a little baby. Yeah. With yeah. notable muscles, <laughs> and uh, as a result, like this has got a good bit of fame because it's it's yeah. really unusual. It's hyper unusual. To get this gene expression, of course, but we've now got the CRISPR um, gene editing technique, which is a way that you can very carefully take out and alter and add in bits of genes. This is not really very good for gr- grown-ups, adults, because you can only do it one cell at a time, and we've got a lot of cells. But when you're looking at a, a baby embryo, baby. at the point where it's just one or two cells, you can actually stick it in. And then you would, that gene alteration will be throughout the entire child. Yeah. Which means you've introduced a new lineage. And this is the concern with cool. this sort of uh, gene alteration that people are going as far as um, you know, ethics is concerned, is that it's not like you take an adult, because they're looking at CRISPR also for, for curing, for example, 
uh, types of le leukemia. And the reason you can do that, of course, is because we can... Leukemia is primarily a, a failure of your bone marrow to produce uh, the correct sort of blood cells. And they're usually treated by doing marrow transplants and things. But what you could also do, and what they've done, is use radiation to kill the, the, the person's immune system, introduce a little bit, uh, you know, or, or take a sample of them first, CRISPRize that to remove the defective genes, kill off the stuff, and then reintroduce their their um, fixed yeah. cells, and that will just naturally multiply <laughs> yeah. and produce. But and that's fine because an adult or or a living human can consent to that, yeah. and it also doesn't then go throughout the whole body. They're not altering that yeah. bloodline basically. You go and alter a child, a baby. First of all, they can't consent, and you don't really know what the outcome is going to be. No. And you've also now, their offspring are going to carry this as well. And, you know, you could end up killing humans. Yeah. Or creating zombies. Uh, or you might do nothing. You know, but it's that problem is that there's no one gets a, an informed choice in it. You know, the, the little baby can't say, yeah, yeah. Cause and I mean, you're altering genetics in a way that, you know, the outcomes are just not really... Uh, there's not proof in the outcome. No, the, really the only way like, you could study it would be to do a, a large-scale insemination yeah. of mutant babies, yeah. like a few thousand, yeah. and study them over a lifetime. Uh, over a whole life, yeah. And then you know, maybe let them make have children and study them. for. <laughs> yeah. And now you can see that the ethics goes yeah. out the windows at it that does, point. It does, because no and one's going to run a study that long. There's some scientists in China who claim that they have actually uh, created the first... Uh, transgenic or not transgenic, um, genetically modified humans. So they they edited uh, baby embryos introduce a gene thought to be related to intelligence. So it's unclear if they actually did do that, or if they said that they knew how to. Yeah, like it's it's not proven because the embryos have not turned up. Uh, the parents have not come forward to say yes my baby is the mutant intelligent baby Super intelligent. so there's sort of been this claim made but there's not a lot of evidence uh but that's where the danger is the danger yeah, yeah. is that people will go well you can make my my baby intelligent yeah yeah do it and and these are people who don't have babies already i'm guessing yeah. because when you have kids you go actually i kind of like them <laughs> like i you know, you'd, you'd you'd be pretty mean-spirited if you didn't find your children charming and lovely regardless. Yeah, but I think it is I think you can um you know empathize with that idea before a baby's coming to kind of be as a parent going, well I want them to be healthy. Well, I, I want them to I don't want them to be disabled, you know. And this I is where there's a the genuine you know, like there's a because because even with uh, IVF and stuff, I know they've talked about well now they can go, well, do you want a boy or a girl? Mm. And they they you, you pick. Well, cuz they, they do like that, about, people have they do said, like about well, 10 yeah, yeah, they, they, right. they get about ten embryos and they go, well, we're gonna, and they choose the ones that have the the no defect. That's right, which makes do. a lot of yeah. sense. I mean, why does. would you want to put in? A, yeah, you, you detect a defective one, you go, well, that one's probably not going to carry the term. <laughs> That's right. Why would you stick that? But, in? But even the process of doing that, of course, you're manipulating the end result, aren't and, you? you? And know? there is so. a there is an argument to be made, and this is where the the discussion comes in: is that if you if you know, for example, the two parents have got a disease that they're almost certain to pass on. And this happens, you know, where these, these poor parents, their first child comes along and has, um, has got some 
uh, congenital yeah. defect. Yeah. And then they find out, they get tested and they go, well, actually, you both carry it. It's, rec- it's recessive, so but it only happens if two of you have yeah. it. You're and both you've got, got a 50-50 chance or a 60% chance yeah. your next child will, will have also it. have it. And they're still like, well, they're, they're stuck in a situation, well, we don't, you know, we love our child, yeah, even though we, they've we got whatever. We would like whatever, to have another child, but we, but we, we don't, don't have that. We do know it's a lot harder yeah. on everyone. Yeah. To, to not be easy, able to fit in easily. So so there, there you go. Well, go, well, maybe we should do some genetic modification to remove yeah. this thing. But then yeah. other people sort of say, yeah, but some of that natural variation is actually evolution at work. That's right, yeah. And, yeah, so you're looking at um, the autism spectrum and what used to be called Asperger's, which yeah. is now just being reclassified, where they're saying, okay, so some people... Uh, you know, s- severely locked out from yeah. society. Yeah, or, or, or they have you know real mental problems. That's like it's kind of the extreme yeah. end. But then you've got uh, it's a spectrum. So yeah. you get this whole other stage where you get these people. You go well. There are some very creative and very intelligent, very kind, very capable people. Yeah, yeah. Who are bringing variety and diversity to our culture and society. Because they're atypical, do you really want to remove that? Yeah, there's a danger we we run that we're going to have. That's right. You make everyone bland. Yeah. Like <laughs> how how many of the you know creative or genius people or artists or yes good parents or uh, you know capable administrators you know these sorts of people who who might have been weeded out and would never have this we wouldn't advance so there you go it's a very big ethical so there you decision, go. It? yeah this steroids arnie and carl they use steroids i probably jesse as well and almost certainly jesse who's a wrestler sorry has put that on the record not me just so arnie yeah. knows these people know yeah <laughs> i'm they, not i'm not legally fair, assigning to be, myself to, to this. be fair they put it on the record first okay okay fair enough but sorry is the one saying it. But Fair yeah, <laughs> but uh, Arnie defended himself in saying that at the time it was just that's just what you did. It was just part of the sport, yeah. and it really we didn't have the reckon we didn't have the they didn't have the internet. No. They, like their coach, his coach would say, you know, here, this will give you the the edge you want. And of course, yeah. he's a competitive dude. Yeah. He goes, yes, sure. I, I want the give edge. And so forth. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like people know first yeah. of all that it's it's unhealthy, that uh, it's very much illegal, and all the rest of it. Um, you might say they're making this choice again. Well, okay, I understand that, and I'm yeah. choosing to you know enter that situation. So, I mean, if if you are interested in that, the documentary "Bigger, Stronger, Faster" really talks and actually has that scene mm. uh, from Predator because he talks about Arnie quite a lot actually throughout yeah. that doco. But um, you know, and it, and it, and it you know that doco goes into the influence of someone like Arnie on little kids that grew up in the '80s. And the fact that even today, his whatever it is, the strongman competition, I think, mm. is Arnie's competition in in California. Um, he gives the example in that film, and I mean that film's maybe about ten years old. That the guy that wins it that year um, is shorter than Arnie and bigger than Arnie was in his heyday when he won Mister mm. Universe, which the only way would be possible is basically steroids. 
Yeah. And yet Arnie and How's the other promoters are like still uh, saying, oh, this guy's the best. Look at him. Look how yeah. muscly he is. You and, know? and it's like, well, understanding the of only way for him to get to that point would be steroids. You know? yeah. um, and in that film, they talk about some of those sports like cycling and weightlifting. Uh, but it, yeah, it's a good documentary. Some of that stuff you've mentioned tonight uh, about and, that. It's uh, in Pumping that Iron is Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Well, it's about that, yeah. it's that's a, a the documentary that he and Lou Ferrigno and Coleman, I think. Okay, look, I could just be talking my ass here, but certainly Lou Ferrigno and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Lou Ferrigno was the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, you, you know yeah, him yeah. from that. Uh, they were in in that movie, that documentary about the big craze at the time. It was yeah. it was really yeah. prominent the bodybuilding sport. I mean, yeah, nowadays. Yeah. You could sort of have to be in the scene to yeah. get like back back in the day. You you knew you knew these people, yeah. particularly then when Arnie went on to a movie career. It's just something. Right. Wow, bodybuilding was yeah. like the place to be, which is why I have the physique I have today. <laughs> hmm. Fair enough. Um, look, some of the film stuff we've we've spoken about. Yeah, so some of the the film stuff I thought sound wise was really incredible. I think. Um, sound in this scape, like you mentioned, the guns and shots and stuff like that, great. Um, those kind of choices of the music uh, in those moments, like the helicopter coming, it was really upbeat, it was really intense. Um, the tonal sound of the music was really interesting. The only song, of course, is that Little Richard song, Long Tail Sally, which to me there's that juxtaposition, as you said, it's like a bounce-up song for the soldiers going in. Um how long it plays out is interesting. You know, it's a song and it's also a song in the scene as in, you know, they control the sound of it. So that's kind of cool. Um, but there's a nice juxtaposition for that Oh Baby song to what's happening. Uh, also with uh, the sound, like if you go right at the start, it's quite eerie and scary when it's in outer space. And yet then when it cuts to the helicopter coming, it's a real upbeat um tonal serious you know There's military sort of the, kind is of the theme song. the predator theme music you'd almost say yeah when i say theme is it's thematic it it has that little uh orchestral hit yeah throughout yep the the movie the other thing is with sound like the soundscape like when they first kind of get you know they get off the chopper and they're in the heli they're in the jungle like the jungle sound wise is a real kind of it's a noisy soundscape and it's, I don't know if scary is the right word, but there's a lot of foreign sounds going on like birds and bugs, and, um, you know, sounds of the trees and stuff like that. And I think as the film progressed, that died down. So it became more about the predator. Mm. But at the start, it was very much like we're in the thick of this jungle and um, it's very foreign to what these guys were used to. Uh, also then as it moved along, the music had a lot of, um, drum marching kind of sound to it. So very militaristic, you know, so like, you know, the good old drum um, sound. On top of that, when the Predator, when we had, the, I mentioned before, when we had those point of views, you had things like you did hear his breathing, you did um, see and hear the stuff that he was recording. Um, so they put in a fair bit of effort with that sort of soundscape that this was some sort of, you know, electronic devices recording and taking on stuff even though it wasn't like we're looking in a traditional western camera or anything uh or human camera it was a bit foreign but i think the sound was really good also then we have that predator sound don't we? it's kind of a clicky uh clicky clacky kind of yeah. sound it's a weird sound um 
you know, I, I'm not sure exactly. I didn't see online people talking about how they created Peter that. Peter Cullen, the yeah, voice actor. Voice actor. He was the voice actor. Oh, jeez. Well, he did a, a card. Oh, Optimus Prime and the Transformers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, he the created the clicky, clicky well, he sound for the Predator as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a cool sound and it it's used, I mean, like any film, like Alien and stuff like, um, and any of these creature films, you know, the sound is a particular way when he's kind of watching them, then it changes a bit when he's hunting, then it's, you know, in the silence it kind of comes around and, yeah, it was, it was cool it, it, to me that that it's had its own little echo going on, which was which was awesome. Um, I thought with the camera as well, like you know, a when it is the predator, I mean, it really showed how clever the predator was because he's up in the canopy like a little monkey, you know, like but he's but it's the camera point of view. It's very smooth, you know. So mm. I mean, he would have been jumping through those trees, and we do see that later when he's yeah. camouflaged, like he he's able to jump around. As I said, he's quite Dylan, smooth moving when he yeah, grabs even and though swings he's big, and things. Yeah, yeah, even though he's this big creature, he somehow can jump around. It kind of, I think, if you could see him, it must be like one of those like little lemur monkeys. You know, like it's pretty agile. Yeah. Um, and I think with Dylan, that's why I mentioned before, like when he does kill Dylan, you know, he does that three sixty around him, and it's really quite bizarre because he kind of comes out of the trees and he sort of circles him really fast. So again, it shows like you know that his, his speed and his agility, but. Obviously, with the camera, there was a lot of tracking. There was a lot of dolly. There was a lot of movement. You mentioned before with Blaine, like the camera being in his zone. We've talked a bit about those other shots as well. So even though they were in, and that's why I was a bit surprised looking at afterwards that it wasn't just a studio film. They were on location. You know, Arnie said we had to stand there all day, like one foot lower than the other on a hill in Mm. a jungle doing take after take. And it's like it was pretty taxing on the body. And that's Arnie in his heyday, fitness-wise. And you kind of think, yeah, right, so they were really there. You know I mean? The camera crew has to hold the camera and all the equipment. So they did well for it to be so smooth and polished considering that they were in that hardcore location, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I was So quite, it even added to it. Quite impressive with some of those running through the jungle yeah. scenes. I was wondering how they set mm. that with the camera because the camera's moving through and there's trees everywhere and they're, they're yeah. actually in the jungle. Yeah. They? I don't. They're obviously not too far away from their hotel, but it's still. Yeah. A, so I mean, with that, it'd either be tracking or dolling, um, or crane. You know. So mm. they, I mean, you no know drones back in this day. So every, if this was shot now, they would use a lot of drones. You know. But if they wanted that same effect, but um, yeah, that would have been all cranes and dollies and tracks. So pretty impressive. All the green screen all, now. Yeah. <laughs> they do it in a studio with green screen. Um, the other thing I thought was color, and I thought that again in the chopper scene, uh, you might have noticed it's very red. Like they're very red. Yeah, like the just, light is red. They just got and, the red lights on. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean as you say, like when the predator watches them, it's the red, mm. the heat sensor. So I, I think there's a bit of foreshadowing. It's also like red can be like murder. Like murder is ahead of all the people in red. They all die. You know, like um. So, you know, red is symbolic of blood and murder. So death approaches these guys. It's not very optimistic. So I thought that, yeah, colour, that colour of red is used throughout um, pretty heavily. And a film like this, obviously, without being that it's a lethal, murderous creature in the woods um, or the jungle, so to speak. So, yeah, that was kind of like the film language I picked up on. So, yeah, and I mean, I think the film does delve a little bit into that idea of, you know, who is hunted. And, I mean, you could take the U.S. military 
and this is me on the record, like, you know, they got involved in some dicey politics, uh, definitely under Nixon, Reagan, Ronald Reagan. There's a bit of iffiness going on there. And we probably still see it a bit today with the US, you know, but definitely with Central and South America, um, you know, historically there was some politicians removed from power and dictators. Oh, yeah, there was a certain political theory yeah. in favour at the time about yeah. how you could uh, ensure that you had strong allies, if you like, mm. or or yeah. non-threatening neighbours and things. But and doing that maybe not to the best of what the yeah, locals I, wanted. <laughs> I really do get the feeling that so, it hasn't worked. It sort of has worked and not worked yeah. in many ways. I, yeah. I got to say that they maybe probably should have tried just being nice. Yeah, being a bit. So I do think the film, whether the, it'd be interesting to know if the Thomas brothers uh, set with that agenda, but I think you could see parallels between who is that, who gets hunted, you know, the hunter getting hunted by something that's a bit more powerful and maybe symbolically, you know, that's the tradition was the US was the predator, you know what I mean? Like the US comes in and they're the powerful machine. They've got things that are more powerful, better technology, you know, better capability, better trained soldiers, and, of course, them versus gorillas or anything in the jungle, other rebels, you know, you're going to get annihilated, you know. We might see that with uh, China China and Hong Kong. You know, if the protesters keep going, China's probably going to have to do something about it, you know. So the power of the might of US back in these days in these sorts of countries, I think maybe there was a bit of that impression that what, what would happen if all of a sudden... Um, something more powerful came on top of you, you know, mm. in this case, it's the Predator. And the, because the Predator is so cocky about it, you know, he likes it, he enjoys this, you know, and I think there's a little bit of comparable to maybe, you know, that understanding of the US military going into places and being quite cocky and able-bodied about it. So anyway, that's my social commentary of Predator. It's an awesome movie. It's the one that started a lot of this sort of action yeah, we it, was, see today. it was sort of a culmination because if you watch Commando, there's a lot yeah, of it going in there. Yeah, there's a lot of in that. But I think Commando's a little bit more raw. It, yeah. It was uh, uh, not as not as tightly done, not as, not as good, strong characters in that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Still a very good action certainly, by Commando. Certainly, it's, it's like a, a, a foundation upon which everything's been. Mm. But Predator is kind of, I think, one of the expressions of, sort of almost one of the ultimate expressions of the action movies coming out of the 80s. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And stuff that this film did leaves a legacy today. You know, if you go and see Hobbs and Shaw, like there's 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 probably a lot of homage to that, you know, mm, because was, of it. You know, the, the, the action of... Well, the, the whole Hunter. concept that you have uh, a big guy action hero who does mm. one-liners. Yeah, that, yeah. That was basically Arnie yeah. Yeah. through all of these movies. Yeah, and, so, and that's been replicated and they've looked for modern day Arnie's and other people and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, they're they sort of going there with like Vin Diesel for yeah, a bit and they're yeah. like... Um, the Rock now, yeah, of course. Yeah, is the old Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Actually, I really like him. He's very likable Yeah, he is very likable. Very likable yeah. character, I would say. Apparently, yeah. he's a nice guy in person too. Yeah, yeah. So, if yeah. he wants to come on the show... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he just need, Has he done a sci-fi? Has he done a he sci-fi must have. Thing? We'll have to look back at what he's done. But um, Oh, yeah. Well, he did Doom. Oh, uh, okay. Early on. Yes. Not a great movie but it certainly was for a computer game um conversion it's quite good mm. 
Okay. And I guess Rampage, you could sort of say, was a bit of a science fiction. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Sort of genetic modification going okay, on. Okay, yeah. Some All right. It might be a bit there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a couple others. He's, <laughs> he's done quite... Does Jumanji count? Does Jumanji he's, count? He's done a lot of... A lot of movies. Oh, he is really prolific. So that probably wraps us up. Yeah, go check out The Predator, the classic original one with those great well, We're going to talk about where this sits with the others, with 2001 and Alien. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Because, yeah. again, well, the reason we put this separate is because it's it's the, old enough now and it's survived long enough because mm. there are a lot of movies that obviously came out that time. <laughs> yeah. But Predator still stands tall as it does. having some of these genre either refining or defining features which really stand out and make you go if you want to know what 80s action movies was about watch predator yeah good good action yeah like that and and i think even today there's plenty of directors and film writers could learn lessons from yeah. how to do yeah. uh, a, a really hard-hitting action yeah. sequence yep uh how to get a a team together, working yeah. together on a, yeah. on a movie like that and 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 showing not telling yeah how to to really sort of show a lot of this stuff get build up a a mythos yeah there's a a lot to be learned from it and so we have it aside the same as alien uh the fact that we still talk about alien Mm. uh and there were again back in the 70s there are lots of science fiction movies made Mm. not so many still talked about yeah yeah and 2001 and i think i can see on your bit of paper there you've got predator uh, just under uh, under but, Alien and 2001. But it's hard. It's really hard with this kind of I, idea. I have to yeah. agree. The thought of putting Predator above 2001, just just looking at the, the, the way 2001 introduced so much technology in special effects, yeah. which were used up until the 90s, and people still go back and use it yeah. now as an alternative uh, to computer graphics. Yeah. And... The exploration then of the sort of uh, space travel concepts, yeah, and yeah, and, and likewise, sort of alien. Um... I, I, look, I, I'll just my justification for it, it was it's really hard when I wrote this down. It was very hard, yeah, because I, I'd come out of going that was so much fun, Predator, mm. like and really not realizing how like it made me feel good, like it was a real like. Oh, like I feel great after that. Like it made me feel very good. And so it's hard to kind of then go, oh, it's not, oh, would I put it below Alien? Oh, but then Alien makes me feel good. And I like this bit in Alien. I like, mm. I don't know. And But even the Predator, like, I, you know, when he takes his mask off and he is one ugly son of a bitch, it's like, it's a, it's a good ugly. Like it's a really, that costume is cool i know it was hard for the actor to act in that was a, that was a james cameron that was james cameron yeah, input he added a bit more into it the you original know, compare, compare look it. of it was kind of a bit weird yeah and he said, yeah you know what i always wanted to see there's something with mandibles yeah <laughs> huh. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but it's uh, like that was the thing i remember being a kid and being freaked out and even watching it now it's like oh it's those little those little its mouth is gross yeah, the way you know, it, like, it, it opens up flares yeah, out flares and out. reveals the teeth and it's like the yeah, cheeks have pulled yeah. apart. Oh. It's gross. Yeah. But but then but then I see you but then you think the alien with the little head inside its own mouth and and but I think I think my just look this is my justification. I'm just gonna go for it. Two thousand and one, 
when I watched it, then the next day I couldn't kind of stop thinking about it. And it has, like, I don't really know what happens at the end of it and I'm still thinking about it today, you know. And I just kind of, there's so much to appreciate about it, mm. look-wise and plot-wise. It's a real, like, ugh, like this is a film that just gets you going and going. I think, I suppose, if I just kind of take it from that plot idea, I love how straightforward and how quick The Predator is. Because, again, these sort of movies that go for three or four hours, they sort of bug me. Predator's the opposite of that. You know, it's 90 minutes and it's just within three minutes you bloody know the main character, mm. you know, like, and you know a bit of the setup and you know you what's coming. You hit through those like, beats. And- the beats are so good and, like, we're talking about showing, not telling. And that's I think that's why it's probably a film that over time people have gone back and gone, Jesus, this is a good film. Yeah. You know, like, again, as you said at the start, like, at the time, yeah, it was a box office success, but critically, eh. But over time, the longer the time people go and you watch more and more films in this genre, uh, you kind of go, well, hang on, that's actually really good. Yeah. Like, that is really good. And then even as actions progress, you look at the action in this film and go, that's good action. Well, it you know, speaks like, a lot so for, just, for John McTiernan. Yeah. Having done his follow-up to this was Die, Die Hard. Hard. yeah. Which I know. is still today is, oh, is a constantly classic. referred yeah. to oh, and so good, Die and, Hard. Yeah. You know, characters in other TV yeah. shows, movies, love Die Hard and people, guy yeah. at work wears, at Christmas time, he wears the... Die Hard um, t-shirt. Yeah, the, the Christmas party, uh, the Nakamoto Towers Christmas party t-shirt. <laughs> That's a cool t-shirt. You know, and... I like it. And so on. So, yeah, yeah. He, he's, had, he's come off with two mm. of the iconic uh, yeah, action yeah, films just total of icons, the 80s. Aren't they? Yeah. Just beautiful. It would be, I mean, that's an interesting conversation. Like you could sit down and do a whole podcast about Predator versus Die Hard. Yeah. Which one, which one Ooh. is more iconic? Have we just you know? come up with a new uh, oh, movie another, franchise? Yeah, another, another franchise. Mix them together. But so that's just, I suppose that's my justification. Like I just feel that maybe the, the story, the story of 2001 is a bit deeper, a bit more critical, yeah. makes me think versus Predator. And then I guess if I take Alien, I think the alien universe, even in the first one, again, it's it's just that little bit stronger in the overarching uh, I, I story. Agree. I, I would say, but look, it's a hard thing, man. It's hard. I would say Predator. Uh, I've definitely watched Predator more often than Alien. Yeah, but as said, watching Alien again the other day, oh, a few weeks back, whenever it was, the just the the beauty of the the camera and the the images being shown. Opened up, it really made me. They said, "Think of a, a universe. You, yes. you can see this world. Yeah, so lovely. And in fact, Predator Two introduces a bit more world. It does, yeah. And and you realise that the world that Predator exists in is not quite our world. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah. different. Like the uh, Los Angeles, the whole gang situation yeah. is a little bit more rough and tumble. Yeah, but yeah. So we've only got three there at the moment: Alien, yeah. Predator, two thousand and one. And I think we're going to have to, do, at some stage, do the sequel to Alien because that's... Mm, yeah, Aliens, yeah. That's... Listed, another that's, classic. I know. That might actually be my all-time favourite movie ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be. It's hard to say these things. <laughs> but yeah, so what are we doing next time? The okay, The Wandering Earth. Earth. That will be our next episode. So check out The Predator. Check out The Wandering Earth so you can catch up with our podcast. Get in touch on all our socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook yeah, or Space Brains. At Space Brains Pod on Twitter, at yeah. Gravity Undone, you'll get a hold of me particularly. Yeah. And you can listen to this on Spotify. Instagram and is at Space Brains Podcast. Yes, and same with Facebook. And Facebook. Yeah. 
But it's like if you just start typing in space brains. Yeah, there's not a lot of space brains out there. <laughs> we are the space brains. So <laughs> get in touch. So get in touch and uh, tune in next time. Ciao. See ya.